All right, y'all. Sacred Fire of Liberty time on the Robert Cab Bell Show. Our first uh, first interview with Jonathan E. Mord uh, since the straw poll in Loudoun County, Virginia. How did he do? I wonder. Hmm. We're going to check that out. Very exciting. Very exciting stuff on the campaign trail uh, to become the next U.S. Senator from the Commonwealth of Virginia. That's Jonathan E. Mord. Hour two, we got Marjorie Wildcraft back on. Grow your own food. The only way you can print money without the Federal Reserve having a say in it. How about that? Grow your own food. We've got updates on uh, an upcoming event you'll want to tap into. Uh, we may be able to show some uh, garden pictures and garden tour. I did a quick one on Instagram before going live here. Super Don will grab that for hour two as well. But suffice it to say, there's so much to do. And everything we do, even if we cover some news that's not great, it's always with the perspective that the power to heal is yours. And that even means politically. What does that mean in terms of your activity? We'll talk about it in hour one with Jonathan E. Moore. Next, go to robertscottbell.com slash listen. Share the show with your friends, and we'll see you there or here in just a moment. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. In recent decades, there has been an unexplained and alarming growth in the prevalence of chronic illnesses and health problems, especially in children. We've seen a stunning rise in autism, autoimmune disorders, obesity, infertility, serious allergies, and respiratory challenges. It's time to ask, what is going on? Is it the food that they eat, the environment that we live in, the overprescription of certain medications? Is it the toxins and chemicals that are present in our homes? Every year, we spend hundreds of billions of dollars to treat these chronic problems rather than looking at what is than looking at what is, than looking at what is causing them in the first place. Too often, our public health establishment is too close to Big Pharma. They make a lot of money, Big Pharma. Big corporations and other special interests and does not want to ask the tough questions about what is happening to our children's health. If Big Pharma defrauds American patients and taxpayers or puts profits above people, they must be investigated and held you know, accountable. That's fascinating. That's kind of uh, vintage Trump in terms of why so many people were drawn to Trump. The first time through and we're like wondering where did he go and he suddenly came back with something very valuable to many of those who follow him appreciated him liked him or voted for him i am positing that the reason he did it is because robert f kennedy jr is in the race talking about these very issues and there's a bizarre amount of things in common that they have believe it or not and Jonathan Eboard knows, of course, from the perspective of the Constitution and fealty to it, that there's a role for government, but its role is limited and limited by the Constitution, not to do everything for everyone, because then it takes the things that you believe are important to you away from. You. Yet the idea that we shouldn't ask questions like Trump just did in that little uh, brief uh, snippet that we played in the opening uh, is something that no other Republican has touched and no other Democrat has touched but besides Trump and now Bobby Kennedy. And it's a fascinating thing because it is a, a devastating the American people as much as the violations to our constitutionally protected freedoms are. 
That is the assault on our very health and the ignorance within our scientific intelligentsia or the feigned ignorance or the forced ignorance because they won't support any investigation into things Trump just asked about, mentioned. Question is, will they ask the right people? Because the people that have been right on this issue for decades are never invited to the table. What would happen when Jonathan, what will happen? Let me ask this question. When Jonathan Emore becomes the next U.S. Senator from Virginia in such a circumstance. Jonathan Amore, Sacred Fire of Liberty time, my brother. Hi, Robert. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. And look, we open with something. And again, this is not an endorsement or not, but we cover the news as it as it comes. This is big news that Trump comes out and says something that you and I both know should have been done. Well, a long, long, long time ago. And I'm, I'm great that he grateful that he does it. I'm grateful when Bobby Kennedy does it. I don't care where it's coming from. That's an important part of what we need to establish or else we're, we're down the, the hole and we're never recovering because the health of the American people is not enough to fight for freedom if we don't acknowledge some of these things. Well, as you know, Robert, I've spent the last 30 years fighting government censorship. Uh, oh, yeah. The FDA is guilty of an enormous amount of censorship. The collusion between Big Pharma and FDA has been so tight and so profound that it has resulted in unsafe drugs being approved and health information being suppressed. The American people came full of, you know, to confront this directly during the pandemic when all this health information pertaining to the virus and the vaccine was kept from the public, uh, largely to pursue a propaganda promotion campaign for the vaccine by uh, the government. And so, uh, but this is just symptomatic of the overall censorship that has been a part of FDA's treatment of information from its very start. FDA, as soon as it acquired power to approve drugs, uh, has used that position uh, both to collude with the industry to gain power and then also to censor as a proxy for the industry to prevent information the public might otherwise use to uh, divine different health uh, outcomes and different uh, modalities of treatment. So what we need to do is to end the censorship, of course, and we need to make it a crime for government agents to censor health information. We need a multiplicity of voices communicating uh, all the information that they have about health uh, to the public so that the public can be a party to this and not just have it locked in academic circles mm -hmm. uh, that the government then denies us the right to receive generally. Uh, we need full information about the therapeutic effects of elements in our food, uh, the good and the bad. We need the uh, full information about the effects of drugs, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. We need to understand how that's happening. With this whole rise in autism, I mean, it's astronomical. And yet there's no serious inquiry as to the source of that and when information does come out pertaining to it from one sector or another it's frequently not uh given any credence we have to change the nature of the uh environment so that yes full and fair open and robust uh debate occurs and so that we can all be privy to information and decide for ourselves what is in our own best interest when fully informed and the first amendment entrusts us with that sovereignty to decide for ourselves based on full information and gives no quarter to government to censor information and deny us access to information. And yet the government is doing that with impunity. And it, it, it really is outrageous when you consider that prior restraints on speech were the very 
things the founding fathers detested the most uh, from the colonial period censorship. Yes. And here it is again. We have prior restraint by the FDA every single day. You can't communicate truthful information about the effects of nutrients how, on disease. How cool would it be you know, in a presidential race if we had a, a Republican and a Democrat running and having so much in common in, in their knowledge of the well, the regulatory state and regulatory capture. Uh, I think Trump, I don't know if he was naive, but something happened. He got steamrolled with Fauci and things that, and there's, you know, great vulnerability in terms of a head to head race that, that Bobby Kennedy can call him out. It's like, why did you shut down the economy? Right. Based on that. And he'd have to answer to that. But again, to have an actual debate where we can have these issues brought about and learn more about it. And, and as you're on the campaign trail, which by the way, you're doing sensationally well, you, you, Tatered that straw poll in Loudoun County. You won. Uh, we'll go into that in just a moment. But I, 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 as I've seen you and witnessed you talk about like these issues of health freedom and acknowledgement of chronic disease, people are endeared, embracing like finally someone's talking about this, even at that race that you're in to become a U.S. senator. Right. People are so fed up with all of the oppressive paternalism from the government. And whether it is the nonsense that's going on with transitioning or CRT. Marxist indoctrination of the kids in the schools or open borders or censorship of health information or uh, any number of things. People are fed up with the incompetence, the blithering buffoons who are running the show and want to see a change. And when you when you speak truth, when you speak directly to people and you tell them what's going on and you tell them exactly what you're going to do to fix it, well, you know, it's a breath of fresh air. People say, hey, you look, I'm not accustomed to hearing uh, that from politicians. And I tell people, I'm no politician. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a constitutional lawyer who's trying to save my country. That's why I'm running. And so I, of course, will tell people the truth and will tell people what I will do. That's the minimum I would expect as a voter from any person I vote for. So why would I not give them what I expect? And so exactly. that's what I do. And you're right. I mean, the response has been overwhelming. The the straw poll you mentioned. I mean, I, I think we have a graphic of that. But yeah, super Don, show the show the the, the dominating victory in this thing. Look at this: sixty one percent of all the votes cast. Uh, one hundred forty four. Your nearest competitor. Uh, I don't know what the percentage is of the vote, but it, oh, seventeen. It says it right there. But a fraction of your percent, and uh, it kind of dwindles on down from there. Uh, Jonathan, how, how did you have to do like stump speeches? I mean, how, what was the interactivity at this event in Loudoun County last weekend? Yeah, so we each gave a speech and uh, we're given a very limited period of time, but we, we did each give a speech. And then after that, they had the voting. And um, it's astonishing. I mean, this is a fair representation of uh, the Republicans in Loudoun County. And Loudoun County is the most populous, one of the most populous uh, areas of, of Virginia. In fact, it may be the most populous. And so uh, this is an extraordinary thing uh, to have won by that huge margin. So you have 61% and my next uh, uh, competitor is only 17%. Everybody else was basically in low single digits except for a handful there that got into but no one with triple digits. I mean, we had 144 votes and the next candidate in line had 41. So we have over three times the number of votes of the next candidate. 
and so we won by a whopping margin. And that means that the people in Loudoun County uh, who are Republicans who will vote in the primary are overwhelmingly supportive of us. What's happened what's since happened? that weekend? I mean, the, the establishment, let's say the Republican establishment, you're not a career politician, as you as we know. Uh, you're coming in as a as a relative out, outsider, if there ever was one in terms of uh, politics in Virginia. And and yet they're seeing this. They, they've got to be taking notice. Of, and I know they have already a little bit, but that was a pretty significant county to win that kind of uh, contest, so to speak. Is there been any uh, feedback, any direct uh, reach out to the campaign by anybody else since that happened last Friday? Well, yes. I mean, uh, one of the extraordinary things about it when, you know, it's sort of like this, when everybody is, uh, there's no, there's no polling going on mm-hmm. and everybody is kind of like, you know, wondering, well, you know, I've, I've received a lot of, in my case, I've received a lot of support all across the state. I've mentioned that on the show a number of times and people are actually committing to us early. This is over a year and a half before the general election. Yes. People are already committing to us after we speak to them and and visit with them, they commit to support us. So we've had this overwhelming support across the state and I felt it, you know, I I knew it was really very powerful, but when you finally actually say to people, come to this event and show your support for your candidate, and then they come in and, you know, we had some 70 of our supporters who just, and this is a long way away from most urban areas in, in uh, uh, Percival. And when uh, we saw, you know, something like 70 of our hardcore supporters coming, and then, and then we, we knew that we had spoken to the Loudoun County Republican Committee in the past, and we had spoken to a number of these people who came to our rallies and so forth. But then when it coalesced in a vote, well, my goodness, um, 61% of these people voted for us. And that's just, I mean, I, I'm, you know, awestruck by that number, given the fact that the remaining candidates, and there are eight of them, right? So out of eight, they had eight choices. And they overwhelmingly supported us. And that is indicative, I think, of a statewide reaction which we feel when we go all over the state, we think we're going to win this thing big. I mean, Mm -hmm. we think we're going to win the primary with a huge margin. And we think we're going to win the general election too over Tim Kaine. It's, we just feel it. We feel the people. I mean, the people are coming up to us who say, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Democrat, Mm -hmm. but your position on the school issues or your position on the vaccine is what's persuading me. A lot of people regardless of what political party they're in. This is why we see Bobby Kennedy. uh, You know, this is helping us, actually, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people are looking at the Senate race saying, "Okay, well, you know what? I I agree that kids ought not be vaccinated in school. I've been a career Democrat, the person will say. But I can't vote for Tim Kaine because he's strongly supportive of the vaccination movement and, and supports kids being vaccinated. And my kids, I don't want them to have that risk and no benefit. And I just don't want that to happen. So I've heard that a whole bunch of times. I've heard that on the education side, people saying, hey, you know what? This business of telling my kid that uh, his or her gender is fluid 
is not going over with my family. We do not want our children to mistake their identity and think that their gender, their birth gender is not who they are. Yeah. We're tired of, of teachers telling them just because uh, a boy happens to like cooking class or a girl happens to want to uh, be a tomboy, quote unquote, that they're somehow the really underlying that is a desired ultimate to have an ultimate uh, gender change. And, you know, there's no gender change possible. The other thing is they all realize it's a fraud. So, yeah, those issues are hitting close to home. They're actually hitting home and they're causing people to say, hey, wait a minute. This party, this Democrat party has gone so far left that they it's no longer possible for me to be affiliated with them. And that's what's happening in Virginia. I suspect it's happening across the nation. Yeah. And even as, as we talk about Bobby Kennedy, uh, the, the Democratic establishment and the media. I, I personally think he's running in the wrong uh, party. But <laughs> I really do. Yeah. I mean, his position on uh, a lot of things is an individual rights position, which yeah. you know, I've had and you've had. Yeah. And that's why we get along so well with him and with with uh, Children's Health Defense, because we we believe in those same things. We don't believe yeah, there is an alignment beyond right. what we call party politics or party right. partisanship. So that- I salute that. Now, I don't agree with him on economic policy. Right. Sure. No, I mean, we recognize that the distinction you know, there. Yeah. The is- we don't believe in a welfare state. Uh, we believe in free enterprise. We believe in individual freedom. And I think. You know, he's he's sort of the old Democrat, right? The oh, old yeah. the old civil libertarian like in many ways. Exactly. Uh, well, and, on the economic side, though, you know, that's probably why he stays in the Democrat Party. But that's it, it, on the economic side. Remember, now hmm. they have gone overboard as well. Remember, they have pumped into the economy over four trillion dollars plus yeah. the, the budget of four trillion. So we have upwards of $10 trillion in one year mm-hmm. being pumped into the economy that's causing the inflation. This whole movement, the climate change movement is a ruse for, for uh, uh, is, a, is a Trojan horse for socialism, and they are causing gas prices to go through the roof. All of that is as lethal to us. Yeah, and to the uh, poorest and- among us and destroying the middle class. And, you know, those were the places where the democratic appeal, whether it was legitimate or not, really drew a lot of those so-called blue-collar uh, Democrats. But then that transition, remember, in the Reagan years, a lot of them went over to Reagan, uh, and then they kept, you know, Democrats kept moving further and further left. But you know, even as we talk about the Republican establishment, many of them are not talking about any of these issues that you're talking about. So in some ways, you got Republicans going, uh, "What do we do?" But then they hear you, the, the rank and file people that tend to lean conservative are going, "I'm all in." And then as you're finding night, Robert, I was asked uh, by a person who said, "Hey, look, Jonathan, um, you're, you know, what if you take a position that?" Uh, the Republican leadership does not want you to take or a view that the Republican leadership doesn't want you to take. And I said, well, you you mean sort of a rhino conflict with me? So you have somebody who says, hey, look, I'm going to vote to increase the national debt. I'm going to vote to uh, allow government to borrow more. And I'm dead set against that. You mean to say, you know, in that situation, I would cave to what a party demands of me? I said, absolutely not. My whole position is I'm running for this uh, seat because I want to save Virginia and save America. And I am going to stand by my principles 
no matter what. And I'm going to fight for them because that is what's going to save Mm -hmm. our country. I'm not going to cave to this nonsense of endless spending, this nonsense of having the government dictate to us whether or not we can drive a, a car with gasoline or have a gas stove. Uh, they're, they're going after other things, too, that have gas now, you know. They're yeah. looking at absolutely – they're going after hot water heaters, uh, you know, in your house that are gas-driven. Uh, cold showers for everybody, whether you like cold plunging yeah. or not. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this, this is nonsense. I'm not going to become another rhino. That's I hate that. You have to stand up for principle. And, and not only that, it, the other thing I said is not only am I not going to – bend to the wishes of people who want to just maintain this massive spending spree and uh, ruin people's civil liberties in this country. Not only am I not going to help them in that regard and oppose them, but I'm going to call them out. I mean, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to say, hey, look, you know, this person's an obstacle to the passage of my legislation just to eliminate, uh, you know, to to make it a, a federal felony to mm-hmm. aid or cause the transitioning of anyone under the age of 18. I'll call them out if they stand in the way. And hey, I'm going to go out to the public. I'm going to go across the country and yeah. campaign for the legislation I introduced. Because why am I doing this? I'm doing this to save my country. Yeah. I really believe in the next two to three years, if we don't dramatically change course, we will have a socialist dictatorship in the United States. And this will be the end of freedom for us. And I believe that is imminent. And that's why I'm absolutely driven to run for this, because as far as I'm concerned, this is as urgent a fight as it as it is in World War Two, when the Nazis are threatening to take over and establish a fascist world. I mean, we have got to fight. We have to stand up and fight. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, we'll lose it. And I, I, you know, I don't think that just over being polite, we should give up our country. We've just seen what has happened there. Yeah. People who say, "Oh, you know, you can't, uh, you can't disagree with the leadership of the." No, you can't step on their toes, Jonathan. I wanted to rec- recognize you're a friendly guy. We've been friends for years, but you you also have, a, by the way, a great sense of humor. When you first meet a Jonathan Emord, this man, he walks, and and it, some people could be intimidated by it, but you know, if they don't know you, it's like how much you have a passion for freedom, how much you support freedom, and even if with people with whom you or I might disagree you don't automatically dismiss them and, and cancel them. You will engage and you have great friends on the other side of the kind of yeah. belief system. And, and, and at the same time, you're not going into the Senate to make friends per se either. You're not going, my, my idea is I want to be friends with, no, you yeah. want to establish what are the principles, the foundational principles of Liberty upon which this nation stands. Let's bring them back and let's call out those who are obstacles to that. That's what I hear. That's exactly right. I'm here on a mission. I'm going to accomplish that mission. I am not going to go there to be in a social club. And I'm sorry, if you disagree with me, you will face my full force and effect, which is to fight. I mean, I'm not a person who uh, takes an issue and expresses my position on it and commits to it and then abandons it just because someone in power thinks that it's not a good idea. Uh, You know, you may you may think that uh, every po- person who runs for political office in the end is jaded and changes their position, but that was the same uh, dogma that I confronted when I entered the food and drug bar. Right off the bat, they told me, "Hey, Jonathan," the se- a senior member of the food and drug bar said, "Hey, Jonathan, 
uh, you're new to this uh, business in the food and drug bar. That's some 30 years ago. And you are rocking the boat. You're filing a First Amendment case against the FDA. Do you realize that's going to cause you to be ostracized by the commissioner and by all of the center directors? They're not going to, you're going to be persona non grata. Not only that, Jonathan, you are going to be persona non grata on Capitol Hill. And Senator Hatch will hate you. And Senator Harkin will hate you. And not only that, Jonathan, you will be an enemy of everybody in the bar because you'll mess up what we've got going here, which is to negotiate with the FDA. And then we go back to our clients and show them that we've achieved that. You can understand how this all works, Jonathan. So let me tell you what. I know how it works. I'm going to call up your clients. You, you let me call up your clients and I'll persuade them not to pursue this litigation against the FDA for censoring nutrient disease information. Let me do that for you. That's what this guy was telling me. And he was a senior attorney in the food and drug bar. I'm not mentioning his name to basically protect his offspring because he's now dead. Oh. But nonetheless, the fact of the matter was that was reprehensible. And so what did I do? <laughs> I said to him, when he said that to me, I said, do you know who you're talking to? I said, what you ought to do is research the person before you try to persuade them. Otherwise, how can you persuade them? Mm -hmm. I said, what you've just told me has absolutely no effect on me at all. In fact, it makes me angry and makes me more anxious to sue the FDA and destroy the censorship than to abandon the cause. And I know I'm not gonna let you call up my clients. That's unethical. I'm not gonna let you do that. Violates the laws of legal ethics. And, I'm, and furthermore, I don't care if I don't have a friend in Orrin Hatch. I don't care if I don't have a friend in Tom Harkin. I don't care if the FDA commissioner doesn't want to see me. And I don't care if the center directors don't want to see me. I know what I'm doing is right. It's required by the Constitution. The First Amendment has to be vindicated. And so I went on and sued them. And, and luckily, I won. And when I won, what happened? Did these people run away from me? No. In fact, when I beat them, they actually invited me over to the FDA. They invited me into now. They, they had a mission. Sure. They were going to try to convert me. Right. And they found out much to their chagrin when they put me on a panel yeah. that I criticized them on in their own forum at the FDA. I said, okay, I'll be on your panel. <laughs> I got on there and I attacked them uh, viciously. I yeah. But I mean, you know, this is what we have to find out what someone, what motivates a person. Mm -hmm. Once you find out what motivates a person, you can understand that you can trust them. And yeah. if, if they're motivated by status, uh, you know, uh, a social club or, you know, some stupid thing, then, you know, that's not the motivation you want. What you want when you vote for someone to get into the government and change things is somebody who sincerely believes in principles, here are the founding principles, and will act to protect them and ensure the survival of Republic. As I view the Constitution, it is hanging by a single thread. And if we don't rebuild the tapestry that supports the Constitution, we are going to see it replaced. We're going to see our Republic, the greatest, the last best hope for freedom on earth, as Abraham Lincoln put it, driven from the earth. And there's no other place where this has ever been. No, I, I'm not thrilled about the idea of feudalism. Uh, Super Don and I have talked about this, you know, the idea of 
you know, we're very much uh, su- supporters of the concept. And, and and as it was written, the Second Amendment, for instance, the right to keep and bear arms, which is a right to self-defense. And in fact, we go back to the Declaration, other things. We realize that if government, you know, exceeds its authority and there's every remedy exhausted, just like our founders, the, you know, that, that just said, I'm cutting off from the crown of England. We're starting over. Um, there isn't a, 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 let's say, a, an authority in the people to do that. But you know, if we don't think clearly about the, the consequences of that, I don't know that we have the wisdom out there by and large that the founders had invested in that history of governance on the planet, of recorded history, to establish a limited form of government. There are, you know, very few people percentage-wise that know the depth of the knowledge that the founders had to establish what we have today. And in fact, the vast majority of people that operate as senators, congressmen, and presidents know a fraction of what you know and Ron Paul knows, uh, and it's, I think this is also why Ron Paul endorsed you so early in the campaign, right before the primary is even uh, finished. So that's another aspect of the education that I think you bring into the U.S. Senate that you will impact positively on those who have, like Rand Paul and others that uh, Mike Lee, that really do believe in the Constitution, but they don't have enough enough allies, you know. And I think you strengthen them, and you have. Uh, knowledge and experience in areas where they've never operated, you know, as, as a physician, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, I don't know, was he, is he an attorney as well? I, I don't even recall, but I think he is not never taken on the oligarchy the way you have. So again, what you have there is quite extraordinary. Plus your knowledge base and something that is impacting every single American more than any other. These are the health issues we talk about. And Super Don, if you don't mind, let's play the last half of that Trump announcement that came almost out of nowhere and I want to get uh, Jonathan's perspective on it because I've got a couple of questions about it because I think both Trump and Bobby Kennedy have a lot of areas of agreement, which is fascinating as we watch this thing unfold. Go ahead. When I'm back in the White House, I will establish a special presidential commission of independent minds who are not bought and paid for by Big Pharma, and I will charge them with investigating what is causing the decades-long increase in chronic illnesses. I understand Big Pharma, I believe, better than anybody else. I know where they're coming from. And then I will ask them to publish recommendations for how every American child can have a safe and healthy childhood. This is a conversation that is long overdue, and it's a conversation that American families deserve. American families must have this conversation, and they must have a leader, a president, who can do something about this problem. And I will do that. Thank you. So the only thing that I have a question about in that last statement, Jonathan, I wasn't clear when he says, and then I will ask them their recommendations. Could, it doesn't make sense that he would ask Big Pharma the recommendations. I think he was referring to, this is my assessment, of the independent, you know, non-conflicted. you know, yeah. conflicted. That makes sense to me. But at the same time, this is where it comes to something you've heard me say many times, and you've interacted with many doctors and non-doctors alike, herbalists, homeopaths, that have been right on all of these health, chronic health issues, yet at the governmental levels where they're saying, we're think tanking this through, whatever it is, they're never invited. You know, my my indication or the thought is, is Trump really going to expand the discussion beyond those conflicted with pharmaceutical interests, for instance, as I know you would? Well, I think that's another reason why I should be in the United States Senate, quite frankly. I need the platform in order to have the ear of the president of the United States and be able to say, hey, look, let's take a minute and let's talk about who ought to be involved here. Because there are people who are 
outside of pharma who know a lot more about what's adversely affecting the American people than these people in this bubble who are really interested in their own economic self-preservation and expansion. And they are not going to give you full information. The people who are going to give you full information are individuals that you and I know, Robert, who are people who have spent their whole lives fighting for the interests of their patients and have been courageous enough to stand up against medical boards and against uh, big pharma mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and in defense of their patients' interests. And these people need to be heard because they can tell you the full extent of censorship and abuse yes. that has been visited upon them. And I represent about 115 different physicians who are in that category nationwide. And I'll tell you, uh, it's, it's, it's horrible. We've got the bureaucratization of medicine taking place and socialization of medicine taking place at such a rate that you go into a doctor today and uh, you're likely not to get full information. You're more likely to get whatever the insurance uh, agent who is the proxy for Medicare wants you to hear. And that's a one size fits all approach, which is not in your best interest. So you go in, you have your medical history done, and they they come up with a, a recommendation to treat you. Yeah. That recommendation to treat is heavily affected by what Medicare will consider medically reasonable and necessary, as is communicated by the insurance proxies mm-hmm. to physicians. And so if they give you more care than Medicare thinks appropriate, that's overutilization, and that's considered Medicare fraud. Yeah. And if they give you less care, then they think because they think that you deserve, you should not get medicated or you should not have the approach or you should rely on supplements or whatever it is, uh, then that's underutilization of Medicare services because Medicare defines what is medically reasonable and necessary in association with the American Medical Association and the codes that are used for each disease. So this is, this is bureaucratized medicine. This is pill pushing. Mm-hmm. It is a system that is really hurting us. We need yeah. free market uh, uh, yeah. environment in which physicians and other healthcare practitioners can compete in the effort to help you and have it a patient-centric system where your needs and interests are the main reason for every action as opposed to trying to prevent them from being Medicare audited or from being questioned by their medical board for not following Medicare's medically reasonable and necessary criteria. That, that, that's a restriction that prevents independent professional judgment. And that means you don't get the best care when you go into your doctor. It's a real well, tragedy. The, the federal government is collectivized, as you said, socialized. This is my war- the warning from my monk, my uncle, the doctor. Uh, my un- dear uncle Bob warned me not to become a doctor because he saw what was happening back in the 70s and 80s. He predicted everything we see today. And I, I, I t- you know, I had a great conversation with Dr. Peter McCullough on the show last week. We were up in uh, Boise for the We the Patriots USA event. And yes, he's a board trained, certified, I mean, highest level, well-published cardiologist. No one would dispute his credentials. At least I wouldn't. And I respect him immensely for what he's done. He has areas of knowledge that I don't and vice versa. And we were talking about in a collegial manner, the, the problem is what to do about them. And as much as I, as a homeopath, don't want to have people on drugs per se, the recognition is the vast majority of Americans are not ready yet to leap into what I can perceive and actually utilize or help people with that don't require these drugs or stents or surgeries might prevent them. So there is that harsh reality 
most yeah, Americans. Dr. Jack Wolfson's in that same category of you know mm-hmm. an exceptional uh, cardiologist, absolutely brilliant. And what do they do? You know, his own medical board went after him uh, only because they disagreed with what he was saying. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it, it's we have got to change this mindset at the university and in in academia now that censorship is okay. Uh, this is the ruination of invention. This destroys our ability to meet and defeat disease. <coughs> we are not going to be in a position to save our country unless we get back to freedom. Freedom is what it's all about. Yes, indeed. and I, I'm just I'm just appalled at how very much uh, censorship is accepted both by the Democrat Party and by the academia today. Mm-hmm. So that every university campus just about almost certainly every almost every public university has these people who are censoring information on the campus so if you're a conservative you don't have a right to speak if you're identified as a conservative they'll even flunk you out of classes if you don't buy into their dogma and their whole far left agenda yeah who doesn't deserve a degree and and to show how uh, let's say non-discriminatory their discrimination is a Democrat like Bobby Kennedy has been banned as much as we have for yeah. saying the things we're saying. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, they talk about a big tent, but their tent's about the size of a pea. I mean, they don't have a big tent at all. They have a tent that only allows it only has one door in mm-hmm. no door out. And when you go in, you only have one mind. You're you you you're you're tapped into the Borg. You're basically just one uh, one one. You're allowed one thought. Mm-hmm. And so you got Bobby Kennedy, who's really running as a classic conservative uh, Democrat, if you will. I mean, he's he's liberal on economic policy, which is not good. I mean, he's favoring government growth and expansion on that side of the spectrum, I believe. He doesn't I don't know that he's talked much about that, but that's the only reason why I think he could possibly be a Democrat. And then on the other side, he's a civil libertarian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I used to argue cases in the in the federal courts with civil libertarian judges like Patricia Wald, who was a Democrat, but she believed in individual liberty to her core, and she was brilliant and very very readily willing to accept the defense of the Constitution of individual rights, mm-hmm. and so uh, that was the old Democrat. That was the Democrat. Mm-hmm. You know, we would fight over economic issues. Now we fight over civil rights. I mean, they, they're pushing a CRT racism agenda in the military and in the schools that's a direct frontal assault on the very victories that were won in the civil rights era by Martin Luther King Jr. and others. The whole idea that race and racism should be uh, normative in government, should be what determines the fate of people is now embraced by the Democrat Party. It's insane. That's why I don't understand why Bobby Kennedy is a Democrat. Because yeah. on, the, on the civil rights side, he's a, he's an enemy. Yeah, of- no, he, and I've seen him. I mean, it's obviously a struggle on some levels as he's written a, in fact, he wrote a little book I just read over the weekend, 100 pages, not too long, uh, a, letter to a letter to liberals. And he talks about all the areas 
where they've abandoned, you know, their principles. And a lot of that aligns with what we talk about in civil liberty, liberties, et cetera, and freedom of speech and all of that. Yeah, and I, and lot, this is interesting, Rob, because there's a lot to that we agree on. On the yeah. civil liberty side, there's very little room for any disagreement with, for example, me and Bobby Kennedy. There's very little disagreement. On the economic side, that's where we disagree. But, but my I sense is, Jonathan, real quick, that if you got into engaged in a discussion or debate, which would be very cordial because that's his nature and yours when you have an intellectual debate, that you'll be surprised, as I have been surprised, how much he defends that individual liberty concept and has moderated his position over time, including because of his understanding of regulatory capture, realizing that the government being the solution is not well, a maybe in the end, he ought to just be a Republican. <laughs> I mean, his, his party has abandoned his thinking. Well, and as you know, there are many establishment Republicans that would look at you and go, uh, do you belong here in our party? I, it's just that bizarre what's happened in terms of the fringes, if you will, well, of those establishments. I think there are rhinos who don't. Well, first of all, if you look at the principles of the Republican Party, what they articulate as their creed, it mirrors what I think. Mm -hmm. If you look at the actions taken by some Republicans who fall into the rhino category, you find that it deviates both from the principles of the Republican Party and from what I think, because my views mirror the principles of the Republican Party. The other reality then is that to that question I was asked last night, I actually represent what the principles are of the Republican Party. So I am really, <laughs> a classic Republican in that sense. And therefore people ought to respect that when someone deviates from that, their own, the party's own principles, that they ought to be called out and recognized as heretics to the standard, which is the basically the founding principles of this country. Um, and with regard to, to Bobby Kennedy, if he looks now at what they have adopted as the principles of the Democrat party, they're automatically oh. in conflict with what he he thinks. Oh, clearly. And he's, like I said, that's why he's aware of it. And he's, he's you no, know, where is he? Where is he as a reformer of the Democrat Party. What he's trying to do is reform. Sure. Yeah. Democrat and of course, Party it's his lineage, his family. And I, I understand why he's doing it. Uh, yet I, I agree, too, that there's a lot of alignment. Although, again, with certain aspects of the rhinos, et cetera, that there's an abandonment of those principles on but either he, side. It, for him to, I mean... Get rid of these labels for a minute. Sure. And I really, you know, I, I am all about the Constitution. I'm all about the founding principles of this country. That's what I believe in. Mm -hmm. And um, if he believes in that, too, I mean, if he is steeped in it, understands it as a depth of, of education concerning it, then he's not the same as his, his father, Bobby Kennedy Sr., in that Bobby Kennedy Sr., actually supported strongly the welfare state. And you can't believe in freedom, ultimately, and government control. They're, they're antithetical. So if you believe that the government ought to be able to influence how business operates, you necessarily believe in a collusion between government and industry. Yeah. And you necessarily believe in government planned economies. Dude, I would so dig a, an interview with both of you and, and talking about these issues. I think, again, we'll find more agreement than disagreement, even though there's, again, a lot of history. We can't solve you and I talking about it. 
uh, for Bobby's sake. But well, I'd love it. I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to have a conversation with Bobby Kennedy and in, in a debate. Yeah, I would love it. I, I I think that we will find, as you're pointing out, based on his public statements, based on his books, uh, that on the issues of civil liberties, we are probably very close. Realignment. Yeah. On the issue of economics. He probably takes a standard Democrat line more than I, uh, I would imagine uh, otherwise. If he doesn't, if he doesn't believe that economic liberty can be subjugated, that's what the Democrats historically have believed ever since the New Deal, that economic liberty is not entitled to full constitutional protection. Then, in fact, it just has a rational basis review and the government can impose any restriction it wants mm -hmm. on uh, market activity. That I am opposed to 100 percent. Yeah, and that's where I would love to hear the discussion. If he's in favor of that, yeah. then that's where we disagree. But I believe that that makes him conflict mm -hmm. between his uh, view of liberty for civil libertarian causes yeah. and view of liberty generally. Because if you don't, in the end, you know, I've said this many times on the program, the definition of liberty given to us by Thomas Jefferson is the quintessential American constitutional definition. It is not limited to economic liberty. It is not limited to political liberty. It embraces all of it, all liberty. Mm -hmm. and that is rightful liberty is unobstructed action according to will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. He did not say within the limits of the law, because as he said, the law is often, but the tyrant's will and always so when it violates the rights of an individual. Yeah. Now, that that is the American definition of liberty that I think squares with the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And so I would ask Bobby Kennedy, do you agree with Thomas Jefferson's definition of liberty? That would and be a fascinating question. Liberty, yeah. If yeah. you are a person of liberty, do you agree with that? And then that would be interesting to hear him answer. Because if he says, which would be a typical uh, Rooseveltian uh, response, would be, uh, well, I, I believe that people have a right to communicate their political views without restriction. But I think in the area of economic discussion and promotion of products and on issues related to business, that it, the government has a role to play in, deter in, in regulating the marketplace such that it may be uh, uh, able to communicate information that the government has determined to be appropriate uh, and that government experts need to weigh in on these things. And when companies pursue their own self-interest for economic reasons, they are oftentimes uh, committing acts of fraud. So therefore, we need a big government to lord over that. My answer instead, mm -hmm. that may be, I'm not saying that's his answer, but it might be. My answer to that, which is the Rooseveltian position, is that government is corrupt. And your idea of a utopia being possible to cleanse the marketplace is fundamentally flawed because those in power pursue their own self-interest and their own economic interests. And they do that at the expense of free communication. I trust, as the First Amendment does, an individual's rights to discern for themselves what is in their own best interest. We can prosecute fraud based on affirmative laws that ban fraud. We don't have to have bureaucrats wading through information or market and deciding that, oh, we really shouldn't have a power plant that has a fossil fuel in it. Oh, 
we shouldn't we should not have you saying to people that folic acid reduces the risk of neural tube defect births oh um it's inappropriate for you to say that you oppose uh transgender uh, uh changes in in youth will therefore disallow you the right to communicate that that kind of nonsense where government does not respect your rights as an individual is what the whole revolution, American revolution was all about. And it's the whole purpose, the very purpose of our government is to protect the rights of the governed, not to determine parcel out rights to one group and not another, or decide for political reasons that one business may operate and another may not. The people will decide that. They'll decide that based on their own economic judgment, just as you have a right to vote you have a right to buy, and you have a right to uh, own, and you have a right to speak based on your ownership. Mm -hmm. You don't have a right to my platform in my yard. I, I don't have a right to your platform in your yard. I don't have a right to live in your house just because I happen to find a door open or I break through a window in your basement. This may be the law in California. This mm -hmm. ought not be the law in the country. We have to protect individual rights. And those rights are not just political rights of speech. Those rights are universal. Life, liberty, and property. Mm -hmm. I think that the last few years, if Bobby Kennedy didn't see it, I'm certain that he sees it now from what he said. In fact, he's spoken out in, in, in defense and favor of free enterprises, he called it. Now, how far that goes, I don't know. Uh, Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center commenting here. We heard many people say the same about Ron Paul in 2008 and 2012. He's just a kook and doesn't belong in the Republican Party. He argued that he was reaffirming the true core principles of the party from where it strayed. Kennedy seems more like a classic Democrat, like Ron Paul was a classic Republican. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think I fall in line with Ron Paul. Uh, and I, I certainly am honored by his endorsement for that very reason. It's a real struggle in the end between whether you truly believe in individual liberty or whether you think that individuals, if left free, are people who will harm everyone and therefore need to presumptively be restrained. Mm -hmm. That's the real problem with the Democrat Party in the old Democrat Party. They did not ultimately trust you in the marketplace. They assumed that no matter what you did in the market, you could not be trusted and you had to be restrained. And they made the second big mistake of believing that people in government would restrain you in a way that was in the interest of what? Yeah. Politics. How, how, how you, can't, you can't have, you can't, you can't, there is no such thing as the public interest. What that mm -hmm. is, is the public interest is whatever a person in power says it is. Or, yeah, who, and who, who lobbies or buys their influence through the oligarchy to make that the public interest through the uh, regulatory state. Uh, and, you know, I, I look at also the Republicans, the, the failing of what's called rhino or whatever Republicanism, where they have adopted corporatism, right? Corporate welfare. And which is bad. And I mean, I have seen that during the Reagan years uh, at the FCC initially, but then also in private practice, this whole movement to have all these K Street lobbyists come to Washington and then to lobby the agencies to create 
public interest regulations. They would come in with a public interest rationale the lawyers made up and would sell it to the agencies. And then the agencies would adopt rules. Why? Because they would create barriers to market entry for mm -hmm. competitors. They could afford to pay for those lawyers to overcome the barriers and would do it with regularity, but they knew it created new costs for market entrance and would increase their monopoly position. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That has been the, the history of rhino Republican uh, politics all through the Bush years. And, you know, the reality was I was arguing against that then, right? But now the Democrats are doing the precise same thing. And in fact, they did it all along, all the way back to the start of the Roosevelt administration. They would pick winners and losers. They would use regulation to create barriers to entry. This whole thing is corrupt uh, from the get-go. Corporatism has been the order of the day for too long. What we need to get back to is the fundamental principle that the founding fathers well understood. We need a government of laws and not of men. We need a limited government. We need a government of delegated powers and not un unlimited power. We need a government that is the whole purpose is to protect the rights of individuals. And those rights include economic rights, not just political rights. And we end up with a country where when people harm an, another, then they are subject to prosecution, mm -hmm. but not based on the assumption that you might. Mm -hmm. So red flag laws, for example, on Second Amendment grounds, outrageous. The idea that a neighbor can call the police and say that someone uh, who lives next door mm -hmm. might harbor an intent to use a weapon in a harmful way and have that mere suspicion be enough to go in and seize their weapons and force them to pursue legal redress to get their own weapons back, their own means of self-defense. We have that in Virginia right now. We have a red flag law in place in Virginia right now. And, and this, is, this is the ruination Mm -hmm. of our society. No right of self-defense, you mm -hmm. have no rights. These are individual rights. Rights come from our creation by God, not government. And uh, there's a plurality of beliefs. Everybody's got a different belief about that. But fundamentally, again, all these rights come uh, to you and through you from a creator. And again, the perception that is so wrong out there is that government can grant you rights. They can't. They can grant you privileges and they can take them away. And if we subjugate ourselves or allow them to get away with it again, then we are equally guilty. Ultimately, if it's if the vote is not enough, then we must nullify, you know, by 10th Amendment and individual nullification. Super Don, come in here as we wrap up with uh, Jonathan Emore, because uh, I, I think this is such a fascinating discussion of the many discussions Jonathan and I have had to to see that the body politic is shifting so much that. You know, the things that we talk about, we have somebody that is likely running as a Democrat for president that has an alignment and, and has a lot in common with Trump. It's wild to see this. Uh, as far as RFK Jr. goes? Well, I mean, that's one glaring example. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a lot of others in the Democrats. I'll acknowledge that. Yeah. But our interaction with Bobby, and he's even gone to the border and go, we can't have this border thing like this. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he, he, he shows up at the he shows up the, at the border, you know. The other people go to the border and they they just they they talk. Oh, all well, all the border the problem and the stuff, but you know somebody else's fault is the reason why it's not uh, fixed. Yeah, he gets down there and he goes, yeah, I can fix this, and he right. knows we can't have an but open border. It's so refreshing, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you have someone who is honest, who has integrity, 
and Bobby Kennedy. I may not agree with him. I don't. I don't agree with the socialist economic policies. I'm telling. There's you. no political mumbo jumbo coming out of his but, mouth. But, yeah. but yeah. Uh, you know, this is a person who is motivated by sincere principle. We may not agree with him on economics. We we can agree with him on civil liberties. We well, and he has a genuine love of country. He doesn't hate America. Yeah. He doesn't look at America as ra- inherently racist. Well, he also things. knows that his own family, uh, that, that John F. Kennedy Jr., uh, uh, JFK, I mean, and that also um, his own father uh, were betrayed very much by the intelligence establishment here in the United States. Yeah. And so he's ready to change those things too, to, 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 yeah. I'm sure. So yeah, there's a lot there, but in the end, I'm telling you, we have to survive as a nation. We have to be able to grow our economy. We have to be able to build a new future for next generations where economic opportunity is restored. Mm-hmm. And we have to end this climate change Trojan horse for socialism. And my questions would be to him, would sound in these areas because if he is a true advocate of liberty, he must believe in economic liberty. You can't abandon economic liberty. And so the, the Democrat, the Rooseveltian Democrat abandoned economic liberty. And that's why we have the administrative state. And and that's another question for him. Would he get rid of the administrative state? Would he do, would he advocate the legislation that I drafted for Ron Paul, which would have, Prevented any agency of the I government. I can't wait to get him on the show again and ask him some of these questions, Jonathan. Whether you're here or not, I'm going to do it. But I appreciate your candor and integrity always. And uh, uh, emord4va.com is the website. The upcoming events, there's a, a Mason District breakfast on Saturday, June 10th coming up. Uh, a Mid-Pen Breakfast uh, Club in Gloucester. Uh, May, uh, that's uh, June 12th coming up. June 14th, there's a Williamsburg Breakfast Club. I mean, he's on the go, Jonathan. You are. Yes, so if sir. you want to check out the upcoming events tab, uh, sign up for the email alerts and updates from Jonathan and also contribute. Um, even if it's to donate your time, put a yard sign up in Virginia, wherever you are, uh, please do so. We'd love to see him in the United States Senate. And I think it's going to happen. That's my sense of it right now with what's happening in the in the body politic and the electorate. Uh, Jonathan is speaking that truth. He's always spoke, but now the, the resonance, if you will, out there, people are feeling it because of the loss of those freedoms we've been talking about for years. It's now become very personal for most everybody, including Democrats. And that's why it's it's changing the, the, the landscape than prior elections, more so than ever uh, that I've seen. One thing that's not up there, Robert, we're at, we have a 4th of July parade in uh, Loudoun County, and we're going to be in that parade with a series of the campaign cars and with a uh, BMW uh, uh uh, convertible mm-hmm. that they're going to put us in. Uh, and we're going to be giving out American flags and giving out uh, bags full of all sorts of wondrous uh, little goodies to kids all along the way. But that'll be fun. That'll be on the 4th of July in Loudoun right. County. Again, that that uh, bastion that we have that poll result. That's the yeah. first straw poll result in, in Virginia for the whole state, uh, U.S. Senate. And uh, and more recently, historically, Loudoun County has been Democrat, but I think they voted uh, as well for the governor there as uh, they went that way. So, again, the shift is on. Yeah, there was it didn't it didn't uh, uh, vote overall for the governor, but it was the largest number of of, uh, of individuals to vote for the Republican governor uh, in that area in shift. history, recent history. Yeah. So that's why he won. And, and I, th- I see that coalition building and growing in our case. 
-hmm. and I feel it. Uh, the interesting thing is the more you do this, the more you're out there, you really get a feel, a sense uh, for how strong your support is. We have very strong grassroots support as that poll, straw poll revealed. I mean, when you have a margin of victory that huge, yes, uh, it's strongly indicative of that. Well, well, I'm excited every time, every week we get together on the show, much less behind the scenes to talk about what's happening. And uh, if we are going to salvage uh, what is left of America and rebuild on the foundational principles of freedom, it's not going to happen if we're just sitting back doing nothing. And you're not sitting back doing nothing. I know that. And God bless you, my brother. And I'm happy to help anytime you know you call me and I'm there. You bet, Robert. Thanks All so right. much. Buddy. All right. That's Jonathan E. Moore, Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We got a whole other hour of broadcast healing. Another way to establish liberty are liberty gardens. Do not rely on food from China or elsewhere around the country or that which Bill Gates wants to engineer for you. How about growing your own food? Marjorie Wildcraft is back to talk about that. I'll have a video to show just a brief tour of the garden as it is right now in late spring and uh, maybe uh, uh, Super Don pictures as well from his garden to show you that we're not just talking about it. We're out there doing it too. And I, I'm just so grateful to be able to be here with you to do this. Thank you, Jonathan Emor. Thank you all for being here. Please share the show. Join us after the top of the hour educational break because the power to heal is yours. All right, get ready to talk gardening. Gardening hour on the Robert Bell Show. We're working behind the scenes. We'll get Marjorie Wildcraft up in a minute or two or 10. I don't know what it is. Super Don's doing it, and we'll have that for you. Um, the great news is, again, as we've been covering this for some time, Super Don. That what am I doing exactly? Hold on. What? With Marjorie. Oh, she's gone now. Yeah, well, it was just that she was going to switch over to a different browser. Oh, I, think. I was just going to try. Okay. Well, yeah, there there she is. She, yeah, we should be good in a moment. But okay. uh, the the joke, of course, that, and Marjorie was great on that. She loves to, to throw the dig at you, too. It's like so easy, even Super Don can do it. You know, that was kind of the well, tagline. Okay, so what must have happened? Whatever, since you're going to yeah. throw me under the bus, let me yeah. crawl out from under the bus and, right? and, and uh, explain myself here. Yes. Google Calendar, which mm -hmm. is what we use for our booking system and stuff like that for for people, <clears throat> it will sometimes just on its own default into wanting people to use Google whatever. Oh, no. You know, Super D, I'm not that's not what I'm talking about. That's oh, not at all. I'm bus? talking about okay. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the gardening thing because I know that Google does that. Oh you, no, no, okay, all right. Well, yeah, but, no, this is the second year now. Right, right. No, look, she put it together and it's yeah. like Many people, believe it or not, are still intimidated about the idea of starting their own garden. Yeah. No, it was a joke. We, yeah. we figured that the reason why she named the uh, uh, yeah, so easy that even people who are out of shape and uh, <laughs> lazy and eat Doritos can do it. Uh, <laughs> that that she was that was targeting me, yeah, uh, specifically. Mm -hmm. And so I had to prove I had to prove her wrong. So yes, yes, uh, yeah. So this is this is year number two. And you oh. are gardening, my friend. And, I am, and yes. Do you have pictures you can show or it would be too much to do? I, it's I, a video. I, what I okay. do is I've got the video of when I planted this. It was, I think it was a week ago. Okay. Because, yeah, you right. have late freezes up at elevation where you are in Oregon. I, I reluctantly so, waited yeah. until Memorial Day. Yeah. We waited yeah. until uh, Mother's Day, and, and then we've really cranked it up in earnest. And, and I'll show you a brief video, too. 
uh, right. that. So and we're, we're establishing our credibility for Marjorie Wildcraft so she doesn't yell at us. <laughs> it's important because we love her and appreciate her and respect her. It's been a while. So yeah. she might have thought we just, you know, we, we totally just, gave it up and, right. and didn't care anymore. We didn't so think anyway, what she was saying was real. No, no, we do. We did. No. And, and here's some clues. I'm very much yeah. into it, actually. All right. So we have got jalapenos in the corner there. And these are, uh, I can't remember what kind of onions these are. What were these called? Canned candy onions, I think they're called, but they're supposed to be huge. Mm -hmm. And then we got uh, a few different types. We got aromas mm -hmm. and big beef tomatoes. And then let's see, that's big beef. And this this one here, that's aroma. So this is the, the fancy one here. This is the, the indigo rose. It's going to have like a purple pop to it. You can already see there's some tomatoes already growing on that. Nice. You're going to I'm going to put a couple things here. Right? I'm going to fill the rest of that out with something to go with the onions and the jalapenos. And then over here, we have got some uh, straight eight cucumbers. Mm -hmm. There and there. Yep. And then back here, we've got some sugar baby watermelons. Nice. That's gonna be lovely. And these are some fast break cantaloupes. Yeah, we, we got watermelon. And I think uh, my intuition says maybe I won't put anything more in this one because these are going to be big vines and stuff and probably take up all the space in there. Very good. So probably going to put something else right there between the chives and the tomato, maybe something here in the corner. Use some cucumbers. And then figure out what else I want to put in here. Uh, dude, with the onions and the jalapenos. You got to understand, we were looking at those things for years, and, and you're like, throw something in them, Super Don. And, and you by are. the way, I didn't mention, I just I just kind of over, mm -hmm. you know, went, went by the chives. Those chives mm -hmm. yes. survived the winter. I thought they were everything was gone out of the beds. Yeah. And then when the snow went away and the mm -hmm. sun came out, suddenly something started growing. I'm like, what is this? And the chives survived the winter, came back, and those things are just going bonkers. Awesome. Yeah, some of these onions so, can do that, like the Egyptian walking onions. It'll grow anywhere. We have them come yeah. back. And uh, we have self-propagating lettuce that we didn't plant in the spring. It started coming up. It was amazing. We've got so much of that. Super Don, can you play mine? Is that is it ready? Then I've got the credibility. I feel good about bringing Marjorie back on. Okay. All right. Here's here's your video. Hey, guys. Welcome. The Robert Scott Bell Show is about to begin as I'm doing this live about 10 minutes from now. Jonathan Emort and Marjorie Wildcraft. We're going to talk about growing food again. And uh, I love to grow food. I hope you do too. I haven't started uh, big time, but actually we have. Look at all of this. We got the corn coming up here. We got the lettuce that self-propagated over the winter. We didn't even have to plant this stuff. Look at that, how, how great it is. We've got some beans that is a little anemic right now, not doing so great. They, there's some things. There's a snake. We've got our rubber snakes to keep some of the, the critters away. Um, I don't know if you can walk through this way. Uh, real quick, this is because I'm on the air in a moment. I just wanted to say this because Marjorie Wildcraft is coming on, and I, I have to do this or else I'm in bad shape when she shows up. Uh, we have, of course, the Egyptian uh, walking onions. Uh, some of them are going to seed as well. Uh, we got collards. Cool. Over here, we got um, some, uh, let's come up. We got some cantaloupes over here coming up. Uh, we planted some asparagus here, which takes two years. So next year, we'll, we'll get to that one. Uh, Don't go too far, Rob. The connection's cutting out. Yeah. Okay. That's so anyway, we got lots of broccoli. We got uh, beet. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. The tomatoes are coming up. We got uh, blackberries and raspberries. We got loads of carrots. 
Uh, I can't even go through all the stuff. We got potatoes growing. We got the fruit that's gonna be abundant this year. We got pears, apples, uh, peaches, grapes. The cherries are the only thing that didn't do what I wanted them to do, the bings, for whatever reason over here. Uh, stuff's growing in the greenhouse. We've got different herbs, medicinal plants. Uh, good Lord. This is just the briefest version here of uh, what I wanted to say hello, and uh, we'll do a more in-depth garden update. This is the modified hugel culture for the high desert, so it doesn't require as much water. We did the base of the uh, decaying vegetation. Well, for, primarily it's the wood chips at the bottom, decaying vegetation on top, then the soil, and this year we've, we started with the flicka seed soil from my friend Brian Jones, and uh, uh, he's got an amazing soil if you've not seen it. We have links to that in the show notes and also on banners on robertscottbell.com. So join me. I'm about to go back into the studio. Jonathan E. Mord, the next senator from the great Commonwealth of Virginia, joining us for the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour, then Marjorie Wildcraft with great updates on how you can grow your own food. That's like printing your own money, but you don't get in trouble. I don't think so. You should get in trouble. It's a good thing. Power to heal is yours. Power to grow food is yours. Eat well. Love you. Power Hills yours. I said it again. I'll say it again. You know what this, you know, we'll see you soon. All right. I'm done. And there yeah, is Power Hill is yours. By now the way. I feel good. I feel comfortable that we're not going to get yelled at. Not that she would All yell right. at it. She's such a lovely woman and so amazing. So strong and powerful and doing great work. Marjorie Wildcraft back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Marjorie. Oh my gosh, you guys, I wasn't going to yell at you, but you know. <laughs> oh, I know you weren't, but it was sort of like. I had to, we have to feel really like we're completing the circle, right? All the things that you've inspired us and so many to do that we're actually doing it. You could see it. So, you know, we're not hypocritical about this stuff. You're doing great. You're both doing so good. I like, oh man, Don, you're probably going to want to go vertical with those, uh, with those uh, cantaloupes or, and some of the binding stuff you got. Yeah. Just build a little scaffold. I even build them out of PVC pipe sometime. And that way, because they are going to sprawl the watermelon. You just let that head out in the other yard <laughs> all right yeah oh wow you guys are doing so good but um where are the chickens and the rabbits okay okay you caught us we're not there yet it's like okay we got okay. the neighbors doing it not you know I've, I've got my wife and she's like i'm not ready yet and and yet we there's so many people around us doing that that i feel like we're ever so close to doing that and that's another level of food independence, isn't it? And also the ability to share with neighbors and things we have, they don't have and vice versa. And we've been talking a lot about that after COVID people are talking to one another again and getting together on these things. This is great. This is the building it of is. community. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about building community. You can't, you can't grow all your own food on your own. Really? It, you, you just can't. And it's, it's because of the genetics. You got to have a big enough pool of genetics going on that, um, that you can share with other people and trade and, and develop them further. Yeah. That was one of the articles I think, is it super Don you found it? It's over at the, yeah. Guardian, how to build community by starting a garden. I mean, this is the thing. It's not well, proverbial rocket science. It's like, dude, start growing something, start helping your neighbors to do it, find out what they're growing, what you're growing. And you can even plan ahead and you've got a neighborhood that is food abundant. Uh, and that doesn't happen from above by government fiat or edict. It happens because people have a self-interest in sustaining themselves in, <laughs> you know, in a community setting. And, you know, food is a, is a common denominator, right? Like Republicans want to eat, Democrats want to eat, libertarians, you know, everybody oh, I mean, wants to eat. And, and, you know, everybody can come together on that issue. And it, it's, it's not, although it's incredibly uh, spiritual, it's not particularly religious. I mean, 
You know, it's a, it's a common ground for everybody. The GROW Network actually is one of the, like, we are not at all polarized in any direction. There's very few websites <laughs> that can say that. <laughs> but we're non-dietary, non-religious, non-political. And, and, and believe me, we have everybody in there. And it's funny, they all assume that I believe whatever they believe. They believe, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and that's the thing, even in our discussion with Jonathan Emord last hour, uh, we've seen the melding or melting of the distinction between Republicans and Democrats in so many ways uh, that because of what's happened, we found more of that common ground. The irony, of course, the division became so extreme that people are going, I don't want to participate in this. And they're starting to figure it out. And and what's really important as opposed to what we're told is important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, the whole system. But, you know, the good news is it's going down <laughs> yeah yeah and growing food is going up and, and growing uh, food oh yeah you know there's so many places like uh, i went to cuba i guess about a dozen years ago to inter- interview survivors of their special period mm-hmm. it's great how these governments come up with names but you know when the last soviet ship pulled out in the early 90s uh, because the soviet union collapsed mm-hmm. and became just russia and then all those other countries um like the economy in in Cuba dropped like 60% overnight. So the water stopped running, the lights turned off. You know, uh, it was it was really, really, really harsh. The average Cuban lost about 20 pounds. Um, and they they started growing food, they started, you know, all the things that you do. Uh, and backyard food production is the thing that people do in those uh, circumstances, because, you know, governments just can't do that. Um, Rates of heart disease dropped, rates of cancer, rates of diabetes. I mean, everybody basically got healthier during that time period. So they ate the food as it was grown, as our ancestors did. And uh, before that, it was Russian subsidy, probably grains, who knows what else that wasn't so super healthy and and appropriate for the kind of diet and lifestyle of those that live in a Caribbean climate, right? A tropical, tropical climate. Uh, And that's, you know, what we need to learn about, again, our ancestry. What do they survive on? What do they thrive on? What was not appropriate for them? We've lost track of that as everything's processed. It's it's grown year-round from around the planet. It's, where is our connection to the, the ebb and flow of the natural world in terms of food production, much less consumption? What would benefit us versus what is detrimental to us? Exactly. Yeah. And God, you guys are doing so great. I'm, I'm, I'm still tripping on your, on your uh, chives and your onions. You know, Sometimes I'll plant garlic in the fall and let them overwinter, and you'll, they'll mm-hmm. poke up their little little garlic stem even yeah. through the snow. So uh, they're pretty known to, to do that. And then you can harvest them in like May or something. So Yeah, uh, we yeah. did that. We got some great gar- garlic uh, growing in our cold greenhouse through the winter and just harvested it. And we've been putting it in our, our regular dishes every day almost going through it. So we've actually been harvesting some of the carrots self-propagated. I didn't even plant some. They came through again in the spring, although we've planted more now. And uh, we did great through the winter on those things. So I feel good about every year I am learning something new. Of course, the soil is everything. As you know, if you don't have good soil, then you say, I don't have a green thumb. If you have good soil, if you can at least water, plants will grow. They're smarter than us. They know what to do. (laughs) I'm so excited. I moved onto a property here in uh, Rincon, Puerto Rico, and Mm -hmm. uh, it comes with an acre lot. And most of the lots here in Puerto Rico are like, you know, vertical downward. And um, 
So I just hired a guy. I interviewed a whole bunch. So by the way, the first thing you should ever do when you get on a new property, right? Maybe you're buying that bug out location or you're moving or you finally got out of the condo. <laughs> Thank you. You got out of the condo, right? Uh, so you don't have to ask me that question. <laughs> How to grow food in a condo. No, but um, I interviewed like three different um, excavator operators, you know, heavy machinery operators. And I, I want this land terraced on contour. And mm-hmm. then I wanted a pond dug down at the bottom and uh, to, to grab all that water off of not only that quarter acre lot, but the quarter acre lot that this house is on. And even yeah. um, some of the, the water from the road. And uh, I, it, I'm just so excited. The guy came and it took it. We thought it would be a day. It took a day and a half, of course. So right? He's already terraced it for you and everything. He did. He did all the bulk stuff with the okay. excavator. And I'll tell you what, on the next time we're on the show, I'll send you photos and, and, okay. and show you the process that I went through. It's really cool. But the, the main point here is when you get a new piece of land and it's scary because that lot did have like grass and stuff growing on it. And now there is not a single living thing on it because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he had to terrace all the areas and, you know, and when you dug out the pond, that was a huge, you know, disruption. So, um, do it at the very beginning. And, mm-hmm. you know, I used to be very reluctant to have anything to do with heavy machinery, but when you move on to a new property, yeah. you can save yourself so many years of time. Right. By, and, and for me, the requirement was when I moved here, uh, they're only on city water. So I immediately went out and purchased um, two 800 gallon rainwater collection tanks. And, uh, and I said, I, I need to have three sources of water. That's my yeah. basic rule in life. And I'll go ahead and count the city water as one, which I don't normally like to do, but I'm digging a pond because I need to have a secondary source of water. <laughs> sure. Well, and, and you do, by and large, uh, in the Caribbean have rainfall. Uh, and yes, there are spells of dry that can happen too, uh, sometimes an overabundance of rain too. So you have uh, different uh, growing uniqueness of the of the uh, ecosystem you're in, right? And things well, you can I, grow I, there. I, yeah. Yeah. In this area here, we actually do get some fairly sustained droughts. You know, okay. um, is it is it you know like when I was in Texas and we normally get 34 inches of rain, and then we have a bunch of years where we only get 16 inches of rain. That's a legitimate drought, right? Mm-hmm. And I went over to North Carolina one time, and I was laughing at them, and they said, "Oh, we're in drought," and but they they normally get 60 inches of rain, and they were only getting 30. Yeah. So, you know. They, but but the trees and every all the plant life was adapted to that 60, so only getting 30. So drought can be a relative term. But I think everybody really needs to have multiple sources of water. The, the, the weather patterns, everything going on, you know, of course they're manipulated, but controlled, but also out of control. I mean, you know, we got a lot of craziness going on, so you need to. But the other reason is, is here, you know, the, um, the utilities are notoriously unreliable. Right. And after Fiona, which was, you know, last fall, uh, the house I was in, we didn't have water for two weeks. So, you know, um, yeah, and yeah that, plan for those yeah. things. And that's, look, we can, we can go a while without food. We talked about fasting, but water fasting, which can be done as well, but there's an extent, a limit that is much shorter in terms of survivability without water. Uh, so that's part of the, the strategy we, we talk about and you talk about, and by the way, um, Marjorie's got another, uh, great event coming up that we have linked up in the show notes, yes. special links to grow your own groceries, live summit. You can yeah. attend for free and, uh, super Don, you got those up in the, in the show notes too, for people to link on it at robertscottbell.com. 
I think you're showing it right now. I do, yes. Okay. So if you go to the notes. In today's show notes, it also went out in today's newsletter. Oh, great. And it's June 8th, 2023. For those of you listening or watching live, if you're catching it later, uh, do sign up. I think, what's the date of this going live, Marjorie? It's actually going live tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. We are right on the edge. I'm going to be having a really good interview. If you scroll down some more, Super Don. Super Don. Yay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) What? Why? Hold on, hold on. Hey, don't give me any attitude. I was it's using a it. screenshot, so I have to switch over oh, to the actual to the website the real, here. Ah, there so it is. Now, now oh, I should be scrolling down. Okay. Right, we got the famous countdown timer. Yeah. Yep. A little Definitely bit, a little bit below on. that. We'll see who's going to be on this thing. Yeah. All right. Talk to us about all these folks. Yeah, Lisa Steele, uh, Fresh Eggs Daily, and we're going to be talking about you know basic beginner chicken. Like, what do you do? She's got this whole huge thing on uh, on. Um, a whole blog and everything on on fresh eggs so we thought we'll bring lisa in and uh you know it was it was how much we aligned and agreed was very interesting and then i i refrained from being a a, a meanie when i didn't say what what i what we had differences on but anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah robert you know that that joy of, i know uh, what that's like and uh, you know yeah, we try to be joy. cordial and welcoming and everything and of course i was teasing about you yelling at me or super don but the reality is yeah, there are times where we're like, whoa, whoa, what about this? But it, in the, in the yeah, presentation, yeah. we can let it go. And then when they're gone, we can go, hey, but by the way, uh, <laughs> as we continue to educate based on our experience. Yeah. But anyway, she did a good job. She did a really good job and lots of good basic information for new chicken owners. Um, um, and Jill Winger and I are going to be talking tomorrow. That's a live event. And we are going to be uh, talking about food preservation, all the different ways you can preserve food and mm-hmm. some of her favorite recipes. And don't be afraid of the pressure cooker. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. Pressure cookers. Oh, and Kimmy McBride is an amazing herbalist. And uh, if you have never done any herbal medicine, she says start, and I love this attitude, start with your kitchen spices. Mm-hmm. All those kitchen spices actually are communities. There are things to help you digest or there are things to help you uh, that have has been traditional medicine for really literally thousands of years, but we've all forgotten. Like, yes. oh, why now we do think you... about food flavor. It's so yeah. much more. No, it's so much more. Like, why do you pair that rosemary with that pork? Or, you know, why do why do, there are or or why is it that the uh, Indian after at the end of it they give you the fennel seeds? There are very very good uh, medicinal reasons for that. And uh, Kimmy's going to go into those and really re-inspire you to like totally look at your spices in a whole new way. When I first uh, saw her do this years ago, it it completely transformed. Uh, my attitude when I was in the kitchen, though, you know, it used to be, ah, oh, I put a little basil on there, a little rainbow on there, whoops, you yeah. know, whatever. And uh, and then I then I started really doing it intentionally, and mm-hmm. and going, oh my gosh, I'm doing this to help digestion and. Um, yes, adding those, those fresh herbs yeah. like uh, we have growing in the in our greenhouse and now out in the in the garden where it's warm enough to do so. And many of these are very hardy. Like the oregano is incredibly tough. You know, it's like, wow, has it grown through some some extreme conditions? And it, it also makes the plant stronger for our benefit to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is a spirit gardening uh, by yeah, Stacey Murphy? Stacy Murphy and her history was she was in Brooklyn years and years and years ago and went to a farmer's market. And this guy had a carrot that had a bunch of dirt on it. You know, the farmer was selling it that way. And she was like that dirt just like fascinated her and it like reactivated that her memories of growing up with her mom who always gardened and grew food. Anyway, she has taken it so far beyond that into 
how to take your gardening or your connection with nature to a whole nother level beyond just producing food. Mm -hmm. And how can you be more intentional, like using your garden to help clear emotions and uh, emotional tensions or how to work with your garden or interact with nature might be a better way, but she uses a, a garden to answer questions that you might have or um, make a, how do you, how do you open up and have a deeper connection with the divine through your garden? So it's just a wonderful uh, uh, conversation with Stacy uh, about that. And she gives some really great techniques. Now, Tom Bartels, mm -hmm. oh my God. Uh, yeah, definitely high desert, lives in Colorado. And he has a 600 square foot garden that he, and the videography he does on this presentation is just fantastic. And um, he shows you like when it's just bare ground in the early spring and then through the season as he's growing everything, it turns into this incredible jungle. But he, and he also talks about like, what are the ideal conditions that your, your vegetables want? And when you give them everything they want and you never stress them, like you never forget to water them or you right. never, you know, they have enough um, compost and fertility, right? So they're happy all the time. And I was blown away with this presentation where Tom talks about in the summer, he sets everything up on automatic timers for the watering and everything. And once you kind of pass the beginning stage of the garden, like you guys are in the beginning stages right. now, but when, when they start to fill out a little bit more and their leaves are covering all the bare spots and you don't have to worry about weeding mm -hmm. as much, he goes for a month to go like kayaking and backpacking because he lives in Durango, right? Like who wouldn't want to be out in Durango yeah. out in the mountains in the wintertime, you know, for a month, right? Yeah. And uh, he comes back and his garden has just grown and he picks it up from there. And I'm like, he's stressing his garden on purpose. No, no, there's no, he's, what he's doing is he's providing the optimal conditions for his garden so that mm -hmm. it will be totally fine and happy. And there is a middle of the garden time, if I might deviate for just a second to talk sure. to people about your expectation. Mm -hmm. When you have a garden, about 40% of your time is going to be in the, right now, the change of the season. You gotta, you're got you pulling out the old stuff and you're adding compost, you're adding nutrients, you're getting the baby plants, you know, either you're buying them as starts or you're working with seeds. And, you know, you get the, the first part is about 40%. And then I would say about 20% of your time is going to be, a, you know, weeding and watering and just kind of some of the daily maintenance. Uh, but at a certain point, and again, when, when the raised, I loved you guys both had raised beds, the plants, their leaves will cover a lot of all the area and your weeding will go down to almost nothing. And, and then really, if you have it on an automatic water, which I don't recommend, but Tom inspired me. Okay. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't take that much time. Like there's this period when their plants are kind of big and they're established, but they're not yet producing. And it really is about a month of time where there really isn't that much work to do. And then they start producing and then you've got, and, then, with it all. Yeah. Yeah, and then people un underestimate how much time it takes to harvest and process. And I'd say that's another 40% of the gardening chores. And, you know, like, I can't tell you how many gardens I've gone to where people are like, Oh yeah, do you want some tomatoes? Like we planted everything, we took care of it, and now it's all producing. And I just, yeah, what? Yeah. Go get it. I'm like, are you crazy? Dude, I know, I know. This, this year, we we've had again not a not a late freeze like last year, a serious freeze that cut out a lot of our fruit trees. You know, last year didn't produce. This year we have an abundance, and the apricot again is going to deal 
us hundreds and hundreds. I, if, if there's a thousand on this tree, I, I wouldn't be exaggerating. And we've been through a few seasons before. So that's keeping up with the, the dropping, you know, of those and even the, the animals. That, but there's so much abundance. Even if they get some, we still have more than enough. Uh, but then the, the apricot kernels, the seeds, that also is another form of medicine, if you will. Uh, so there's a lot of really cool things that if you have a mature plant, you know, we and I planted my own little little orchard within the last two to three years. So it's still developing and they're small and manageable. But I'm you know excited about witnessing it now three years in uh, the progress we've made. Some of it is dependent upon unknown you know weather things as well. So that's why food preservation is also very important. You don't always have abundance. It's a Joseph and the Amer- and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat scenario going back to the Bible and listening. Always be prepared for those times of famine as well. Yeah, very much so. Oh my God! You know, Robert, I had um, I had an apricot tree when I was living in Colorado, and I had never really liked apricots. They were not like a fruit that ever. And then I had an apricot tree, mm-hmm. and I found out when the tree drops the fruit. Yeah. You like I would pick it up every day, and yeah. it would just be so, oh, oh so. Del- I like. I, of course, I never liked apricots before. <laughs> yeah, they weren't coming in like that in the grocery store. I didn't remember liking them either until we had, you know, oh my gosh, access to instant. This is the 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 nectar, if you will. It's candy from God. It's amazing. Gosh, it is, yeah. and they're so easy to process. Like you just kind of rip them in half, pop yeah. out that seed, and throw it into a Ziploc bag. And then you've you've got and put that in the freezer, you know, and you're oh you're done. done. Or or yeah. we we actually freeze dried a bunch, so we had, you know, we still have a lot there from previous harvest. So there's a lot of nutrients that are beneficial. And this again, it's it's food. That's what we're talking about here. How to sustain ourselves in a time of of famine, whether it's purposeful or inadvertent. Um, the supply chain it's, issues we've been covering over the last few years together. And, yep. you know, right now we've got a temporary reprieve. I don't know how long. We know that the, the some of the bad guys at the highest levels of, of government world control don't want us to have freedom. And uh, if we believe that suddenly everything's the same as it was, just a little more expensive, that's a trap. You know, use the time we have still to develop some self-sustainability and, again, outreach to your neighbors wherever you are so that you have the ability to share and help one another because it's not coming from FEMA. If you think it is, it's coming with a prison cell, whether it be electronic at this point via digital currencies, right? We've talked about that as well. Uh, This is something that you can't fight if you have no preparation to be self-sustaining. You're at their mercy. Yeah, that the first thing that they do in a war is they cut off the supply lines. And we are at war. It is the human race against whatever uh, the controllers are that have been uh, orchestrating this show for God knows how long. That's a whole nother conversation. I'm sure you've had that many a time. But we, we are at war. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And they control our government, the finance systems, the economics, the schools, the food, the, the medical, everything. And um as much as you can extract yourself from that system, I'm, I know you've talked to a lot of people about gold and me, gold you know, getting precious metals and, and yeah, and having your own food supply is going to be vital. I honestly don't think you're going to make it through this decade if you're not growing some of your own food as it's what, you know, and you're right. There is this wonderful um, kind of a reprieve right now. Uh, it seems yeah. like this, calm like what is almost too weird how quiet it is out there yeah and and so i just don't want people to fall back into oh everything's fine but again a little bit more expensive because of inflation and nothing will ever 
we we have been given a, a warning shot across the bow, a pretty significant and severe one, one that would help us, I think, to come together, even though it's used to divide us. But a lot of people are now figuring out we've all been played and all those divisions that we thought were important are not the really important things. And so I'm seeing, again, trends of that are good because of the bad, you know, and that's the thing. Uh, not just looking for the silver lining, but it always exists. It's just a question of whether you tap into it and then help others to do the same. I know that's your mission uh, with yeah. the Grow Network, and which is why I'm excited that we got you back on just in the nick of time because the the next event is happening tomorrow. For those of you listening or watching live, it's Thursday, June 8th. Uh, Grow Your Own Groceries Live Summit. Even if you can't attend live, do they have access as long as they sign up to like the replays and things? Yeah, uh, you know, honestly, my team has structured all of this. I did want to talk about a couple of the other presenters, and this is not sure. one of those mega summits. We only, I think, we only got nine or ten. Okay. Because uh, we wanted to distill it down to the topics people were most interested in. We did a, pun, a ton of surveying, mm -hmm. and Scott Sexton. Oh my God, he is so good with foraging and uh, the Beginner's Guide to Foraging. And mm -hmm. there is probably so much food laying around that you don't know. Um, that's that's available to you. I, I I'll never forget. I every fall when I'm when I'm uh, on the mainland now, uh, you know, go, go to a marketing conference or a business thing or whatever, and do my morning run. And I always take a bag with me, and I'm scouting out the neighborhood for the um, for the oak trees. And I'll never forget. I was in Austin, Texas, and this woman had this huge live oak in her front yard, and she the perfect setup. She had this concrete driveway that had a gentle slope. So all those acorns would hit that driveway and then roll down into the gutter right out by the street. So it's super easy. Like you just scoop this food up, right? Yeah. You know, like, and not many people and, uh, are thinking about eating acorns, though. Yeah, and, and they're they're one of the easiest foods. I, I got a funny add-on to that, though. So she was uh, on there, and I'm thinking, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, how many people eat acorns? So I'm up there scooping them up, and it's, you know, 6 in the morning, my morning run. And, and all of a sudden, this woman, the owner, you know, she opens up the door on her front porch and on the front door, and she's looking at me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, she wants her acorns. I'm taking her acorns, and she's going to want them. And I said, hi, um, uh, I'm just gathering some acorns. Is, is that okay? You know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, like, are you up with sharing them? And she yeah. goes, those things? Or what in the hell are you going to do with them? <laughs> yes, she had lost some of the tribal knowledge of her ancestors, perhaps. Yeah, she's like, you take as much of them as you want. You know, this is Austin, right? And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll be back with another bag anyway. Yeah, but uh, there's so much food. And acorns are really super easy to process. Mm -hmm. You do need, you know, you crack them open and, and there is a little bit of a process. Um, we can definitely go into I think Scott may actually go into that in his presentation. We, we but, pointed um, a a couple of walnuts uh, a couple of years ago that are now producing. I think I've estimated maybe we'll get 50 or 60 from two small trees this year. Uh, again, uh -huh. another source of fat, protein, different yes. things. And again, uh, these are things that I, we select to grow. I know a lot of people love beautiful ornamentals, and we do have flowers growing on the property as well, but we really converted a lot of those areas to food production, herb and production, like the the symphytum, the uh, the bone set or the comfrey, uh, mm -hmm. no, uh, and the comfrey is just so. I don't know. I've never had this happen. It's grown so large that it's now tipped over the comfrey. We got a harvest master. Yeah, uh, comfrey is great. You can use that not only for you to dry the leaves and then make these infusions. Actually, this is a comfrey infusion. Yeah, right? we have that that we can make now. That that was, I think, a tip you gave us. 
And it's a super mineral rich, you know, superfood cocktail, if you will. It um, really is. Yeah. You give it to your chickens. Uh, and then some people even just like chop and drop and they let it mulch right there. They'll plant comfrey right underneath like fruit trees or things like that. So they could just drop the leaves right there. And, and that way you don't have to buy compost. You just mm -hmm. keep chopping the comfrey down and it'll feed the tree. So, uh, yeah. So Scott's going to uh, go into uh, foraging, which is mm -hmm. um it's nice. kind of fun because it's free food. It's like adventure food, you know? Yes. <laughs> I love it. And uh, Jason Mateus is going to be uh, all over it with um, information about uh, seeds. And he's very interesting. Um, uh, I've learned not to ever say ex-military, former, I think, former Air Force. Okay. Um, and uh, has a whole flock of kids with his wife, and they started a homeschool business of seeds, saving seeds because the kids were interested. And now it's a, a full-fledged, big-on business. It's a whole family operation. He's going to talk all about seeds and mm -hmm. heirloom seeds and GMO seeds and you know open-pollinated seeds and everything you're going to need to know about seeds and a little bit about yeah. seed saving and uh, you know good information. Uh, seeds are a whole nother choke point in the whole control grid um, that they are. They are tightening. Uh, we we definitely save seeds and share seeds, and uh, you know the the local health food stores all carry, and a lot all the, all the local plant uh, grow shops do carry a lot of heirloom variety seeds. So you can find non GMO, thankfully, still uh, as much as they'd like to clamp down on that. And then uh, who's this Marjorie Wildcraft? She's got a oh yeah, <laughs> that right crazy here. lady. She's gonna be talking about compost. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. what, what topic are you guys giving me? And they're like, you get compost. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, now I'm going to be talking about all kinds of ways to compost and stuff that you are like you use all the time right now that you probably aren't thinking about that mm -hmm. you can use this compost and or how to compost all kinds of crazy things. So, um, yeah. and as my friend David the Good said, I don't get into this, but how to compost anything, even your enemies. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah <laughs> yes yeah, be practical about all of this stuff you know yeah so, yeah so it's another one of these you know we're just trying to encourage more food production the more of us on the patriot side that are growing food actually the more people who are growing food period i'd honestly work with monsanto employees really you know the more of us that are growing food the easier this whole transition is going to be and we are headed in for you know, it's just a whirlwind right now. I feel like it's like the, the eye of the hurricane or something, but it's, um, food is, is, uh, is going to be, it's, it's going to be a topic. Um, I was actually at a, I was really kind of surprised here. Um, we have, what we call the tropical polar bears and, you know, I'm always interested in health yeah. and there's this one group where uh, they get a, you know, a hundred gallon, uh, horse trough and everybody buys three bags of ice and there'll be like five or 10 of us that come. You throw the ice in the horse trough, fill it up with water, and then you can do your three minutes or 10 minutes, your Wim Hof, freeze yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, and it, it really is a great health thing to like sh shock your system in that way. And so I, I've been doing that with this group of people that I wouldn't normally ever you know, hang out with. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sitting by the pool in that lovely, lovely house. And I'm sitting by the pool listening to the conversation, you know, waiting my turn. And it's the conversation is kind of like this. So these are these people, right? 
We all know these people. And they're like, oh, yeah, did you hear that band on Friday at the beach thing? And then, oh, yeah, don't go today. They're not going to be that good. But on Sunday, they're going to be really, I hear this other band's coming. And I'm like, oh, my God, we live in two entirely different planets. But I didn't say anything because at this point, I, honestly, I'm so tired of trying to red pill people, you know, <laughs> forget it. I'm just here to do my ice bath thing and enjoy the afternoon with them and have a lovely time. Right. And, but then it would really fascinate me as the conversation shifted and they go, Hey, have you noticed how much the price of food has gone up? And then they're talking about all the, like, you know, yeah, eggs have like tripled and da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you know, it doesn't seem to be slowing down. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, and so it's, you know, it's starting to become a thing even among, you know, what would you call them? The normies or the whatever? Well, um, yeah, the people that are living oblivious to, you know, the real, the harsh reality is a survival throughout the history of humanity uh, that we have uh, seemingly extricated ourselves from. You know, we feel like we, we've conquered that, but, and we've talked about this over many years. You know, my dearly departed friend, Liam Sheff was, was writing about it, uh, how oil made all of this possible. Yeah. Where we have the ability to do things that would take hundreds, if not thousands of slaves to do slave labor, to produce for us, to have a, a leisurely life that most Westerners and Americans have lived over the course of a number of generations. Now that's yeah. the anomaly in history. And it isn't that we wish upon, you know, the difficulty, so to speak, of living, but these are the realities in the natural world that we've kind of moved ourselves above and beyond, not recognizing that we're still, even with all the technology, you know, you live in the Caribbean, one hurricane could, could have you living back in the Stone Age, right? No electricity. Yeah. How long will it last? We don't know. And, yeah. and how capable or how many people have even used their bodies to the extent that they can dig a hole to plant something, much less tend a garden, you know? So that's why it's an ongoing thing. And I'm grateful that you're, you're continuing to educate. You haven't just said, all right, if you didn't learn it by now, screw you, I'm going home. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> hey, Robert, I got to ask you and, and Super yeah. Don, do you have any, like I'm surrounded mostly by people who are awake and aware of what's going on. There's a lot of activity here on the island with people you know, in fact, we're, we're doing a bunch of stuff together Saturday. I mean, you know, and I've been organizing plant and seed swap, you know, meetings. And we've been, you know, there's 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 somewhat of a movement here. And I won't say it's like the whole population. Yeah. I'm just wondering, do you have any idea of how much, what percentage of the people are kind of aware of going? I'm, I'm wondering if you have yeah. any sense of that. I, I'm like I said, I was shocked by these people by the pool. I was like, oh, my sure. God, I haven't I, been around any of those people in a long time. No, I don't know that Super Don ever gets out other than to the garden on his property. He'll have to tell me and us about that. But <laughs> I when I'm out, Doug, it's true. I, yeah, I, no, I'm not. I'm not yeah. throwing him under any bus in that regard. It's just that's <laughs> the lifestyle. Um, when we finally came out, you know, and the neighborhood events and parties were starting to happen again, it was nice to see that there. Hey, we're organizing again a community watch kind of thing in preparation, a prepping group too, which was part and parcel when we first came here. And then the COVID hit, and everybody you know retreated into their homes and didn't interact in the same way. Uh, mm -hmm. So I see the emergence of that, but. If people weren't there already, I, that's a good question to ask. How many are there now? Because it wasn't part of the thought form before. That it was, now I see it reemerging. 
percentage wise in the, in, you know, where I am at there, it's a higher, I believe, percentage of people, partly because of where I'm at. There's a lot of people part of the, the LDS church and then part of their teaching is about preparation and having food storage. So there's a consciousness about that. Now, where we were in Florida uh, before, not, it was everybody just lived off the grocery land, so to speak, yeah. it's like instant, yeah. uh, you know, so it wasn't so much of a consciousness there. We've, you know, it's been a few years now. I don't know if that shifted there. And Super Don, you go out, maybe, I mean, the farmer's markets, I, I bet people are talking about it a little bit there and you went and got some starters and things. So uh, I have to think some awareness is happening. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I live in more of a, r- a rural area. Yeah. Um, so you'll see a little more of that, you know, uh, in areas like this and you would be, say, you know, closer to, uh, you know, the yeah, city. city slicker stuff. territory, which we're not anymore. So. Yeah. I, I do know that, like, uh, I, even going further back in the history of the whole survival and preparedness space, which <laughs> it seems like I, I can't believe I've been in the, like two decades now, but mm-hmm. uh, pre-2008, you know, if you had backup food supplies, you were definitely wearing a tinfoil hat. Actually, one of these things, I'm going to make a tinfoil hat so I can wear it on some of these shows. Like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm a proud tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. That, silver you know, or copper hats, personally, but yeah, I get where you're Yeah, copper, yeah, I'll get a yeah. copper hat. But um, but after 2008, I mean, Costco started selling their, you know, emergency supply stuff. And then it became mainstream to be a prepper. We've had a number of events that have kind of nudged people that direction, whether they wanted us to or not. You know, that's part of the free market. It's like, oh, somebody figured out, hey, after the 08 crash, people are thinking about this. We could sell them this stuff. And to me, that's the good thing about free enterprise. It kind of met a need that wasn't there before, a perceived need even. Suddenly it's perceived, and even more so now. Of course, our friend Mike Adams, the health ranger, has been all over this for, for years, right? And, and, and that's great to support it. But ultimately what you're doing, what we're trying to do is encourage people to self-sustain, not just to buy stuff, but to help produce their own stuff because – uh, if you're still just used to being able to go out and get it in a, a, a serious grid down scenario for a prolonged period of time, you won't have the access to that if that's what you're relying upon solely. It's fine that we have access to it and take advantage of it by all means, but we're trying to reestablish our survivability by taking those skills that are lost, like, you know, the 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 the, the friend or, or whatever that person you walked from who didn't know that she could use those things that squirrels only use. Right. (laughs) Humans can do it, too. Yes. I mean, that's part of what you're doing with this big event. And y'all grow your own grocery summit. It's happening. The Grow Network hosting it. Marjorie Wildcraft. We have it linked up in today's show notes and Super Don put it in the the newsletter today. If you're a subscriber, you've got that already. If not, please subscribe. It's free. Go to uh, robertscatbell.com or text RSB to the number 22828. If you have a text 22828 and then send RSB and it'll prompt you to get your email. So you'll get those newsletters and be plugged into the things we're doing here that Marjorie's been invested in for so long to help others. Uh, you don't have to do this, but I, I, I'm getting kudos to you for not getting worn out trying to tell people, like you said, red pilling. We can't keep red pilling people that don't want to be red pill, but more people are kind of coming our way. Yeah, it was so interesting how they were suddenly it was starting to dawn on them that things were not right, you know, and it, it the, the first place that hit them was the grocery store, right? Like, yeah, yeah. and food is the it's the trigger. It, it is the trigger, you know, um, that's that is the source of uh, rioting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's the only time the that, that the people will really get upset is when they can't afford to eat. 
Yes. And there'll be real riots. They won't be the riots that are paid for by somebody. These will be real riots. <laughs> yeah. And if you, you don't want to be in the midst of a riot, uh, no, you know, you figure don't. out where to settle because it may be too late to establish community in those, you know, heavily populated areas. But even if you're not certain neighborhoods that people are clueless, it's going to be ugly there too. And uh, as I said, do these things now before you have to, or else it's too late. Yeah, it's it's like if you'd have bought toilet paper before the pandemic. <laughs> you, know, like it's, you know, there's some simple things that you could do. I also really recommend people buy backup food supplies now because really we are we are going to hit it. And what's the worst case scenario? Like, so a guy dropped off 12 cases of uh, coconut canned coconut milk. And I'm like, I love coconut milk in my morning smoothie. I got the mangoes outside and stuff. But without the coconut milk, what is it? You know, and he goes, you buy a lot of coconut milk. And I said, well, I bought a dozen cases from you last year, too. And I said, and the price has gone up by this amount. So I actually saved this much money by buying it ahead of time. Plus, you know, hurricane season's coming. I'm going to always have my smoothies, you know. And, right. And with the last time we placed the order, it was, yeah, it was just before Fiona and, uh, Bam, you know, we, uh, we're okay. Well, we got plenty of food. <laughs> you have the Gilligan's Island set up your blender to your uh, stationary bicycle in case of grid down. I mean, how yeah, do you I, I should do that. Yeah, I got to do that. Do you know that Gil- there's a, a small island south of here and it's like almost like going to Mecca? It's where they filmed Gilligan's Island and I have to go oh. there. I can't believe I haven't gone there yet. It's right off of Puerto Rico here. Uh, no, I, didn't I can't know that. believe that I haven't gone. <laughs> oh my God, I love Gilligan. There was one place east of uh, Puerto Rico was like a place that they bombed it. That was like target practice. Not that island, though. Yeah, no, not that island. Actually, I think it's west. And I think it's west of here. And like, no, it's like a it's a forbidden island and nobody goes to it. Yeah. I can't believe we're out of time. How did we get here, Super Don? Had too much fun with Marjorie, as always. It went by fast, didn't it? It did. Like of an That's eye. a good sign. That's a good sign. And I'm glad we got our, our little uh, garden videos out of the way so that, you know, again, I, I, we want to impress Marjorie. We like her. We want to make sure she yeah. still likes us after all this time. <laughs> well, guys, next time I'll I'll figure out with Super Don how to get you some photos of this Landworks project I'm doing. It's just so yeah. much fun. So um, and, You should and do a video. Those... like we... Yeah. Love to see it. Yeah. Even a yeah. little a little pretend little vertical video like we did right before the show. Do that. Okay. Um, well, I'll see if I can put that together. Yeah. And if there's an encore version of this that we need to promote, let us know. We'll get you back on to do that or just, uh, you know, whatever we can do to help get people plugged into what you're doing, which is in alignment with what we're trying to do here on this show. Well, even just signing up, there's all kinds of free bonuses. So definitely start growing your own groceries. You'll be surprised how easy and fun and wonderful it is. And then you will, uh, you will be part of the solution. (laughs) absolutely amen to that uh marjorie big hugs and uh again appreciate good to see you and well hopefully it's not so long between visits yeah exactly all right right. we got some more stuff coming up in the bonus round here on the robert scott bell show and if you guys want to send your pictures of your guard we love featuring them uh we talk more about it um, when we have our zoom amas for the uh, patron supporters the robert scott bell show I've got some announcements in the bonus round as well. We'll we'll talk about a little bit more about Bobby Kennedy. Interesting things coming out in the in the news media about that. And, and I've got another video actually. Yeah, we do. Because you remember yesterday you were showing me the lasers from space. Oh yes, yes. I came across this very interesting video about something that happened recently. I believe. Yeah. That was caught on a, a policeman's uh, body cam. Whoa. And it, it's it's that. actually a news story, and so yeah. it's another one of those things where you kind of look at it and go. Hmm. You don't want to miss this. I'm excited about what Super Don's bringing. Y'all, this Aliens, is Aliens, hey, why not? <laughs> 
yeah, aliens need to eat too. So if, if they're coming to take you, maybe you offer them some food and they'll leave you alone. So whatever, just it's all the strategies you got. We're going to throw it out there. So thank you to Marjorie Wildcraft. Thank you to, uh, to uh, Jonathan E. Mord. Uh, if we could squeeze in Yolanda's question of the day coming up, we, we'll do that in the bonus round as well. Otherwise, we'll put it on to tomorrow's show. We'll see. But thank you for being here. Spread the word. The power to heal is yours. Okay. And we're back. So, you know, in, the, in my garden thing, it was literally, not figuratively, literally right before the show. I'm like, I got to go. I, gotta, I didn't even know yeah, what I'm I remember. Saying. You just, ran out of the studio and left me sitting there to, to Emor connect. I'm like, well, he'll be back in a few minutes. He's out talking to his plants. Yes. Well, and you, you noticed, did you hear Laban's voice, Laban Ditchburn back in the, the, the saddle, so to speak? And he was uh, helping me do that video. I could have done oh, it. Oh, that was him. Laban? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for video. some reason, I just figured it was, uh, it was, it was Elijah or something. Elijah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, so he's back. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. We're having a good time together as always. A nice reunion. Nice. And uh, we'll have more stories from that. But uh, anyway, uh, there's, yeah, I was just flummoxed at the speed at which I had to do that quick uh, garden tour. You did what, good. Yeah. That was anyway, fun. Good stuff happening. So. All right. So what do we want to do here first? Because we got a couple of things to look at here in the bonus time. Um, you want to talk RFK? You want to talk aliens? <laughs> uh, let's do the aliens first. I'm like curious. Right. Yeah, you peak my curiosity curiosity on what you were going to present so i probably won't play the whole thing on this i'll just stop it part way once it gets to a good point here but i just just randomly found this on twitter today and you know it's one of those things where you know we were looking at that video yesterday and it was this laser beam hit the ground and boom you know and there's all this stuff and i was i'm very skeptical about that because you see those videos all the time and you know you just have to kind of you don't know but you didn't hear anything about that in the news that was a big deal what happened right there so you'd figure at least local news it would have been all over the internet whatever like that so i think that was fake now this on the other hand okay this is a news report this is from a local news station and as you'll see here in this video there was a cop that was talking to somebody and you know how they wear the the, the body cams yeah and you just i'll just let it speak for itself just check out this this uh this okay. video here it's almost midnight on May 1st when a Las Vegas Metro police officer's body cam catches this, something flashing low in the sky. 911 emergency. Minutes later. There's a, there's like an eight foot person beside it and another one's inside and it has big eyes and looking at us and it's still there. Someone calls 911 reporting two large figures in their backyard. So I'm still nervous right now. The 8 News Now investigators obtaining another officer's video as he sent to the Northwest Valley home. I have butterflies, bro. Everyone saw a shooting star. Then these people say there's aliens in their backyard. By now, it's more than an hour after that bright light. Officers meeting up with the caller and his family. What did you see? said they saw something fall out of the sky too so that's yes. why i'm kind of curious did you see anything land in your backyard or they see like a big that's what they say they see like a big uh, like a big something with light what i saw right now i do believe in it I police walk into the backyard to investigate but metro blacked out that part of the video because it's considered private property what's clear they're taking this call seriously hey this might sound like a really dumb question but did you guys see anything fall out of the sky asking others what they yeah. saw uh I would normally discount it as nothing. However, um, 
seeing as one of my partners said they saw it too. Wow. The only reason I'm actually investigating it further. That investigation turning up no concrete answers as of Wednesday. Whatever or whoever fell into that yard, long gone within minutes. Oh, hey. If those nine foot beings come back, don't call us, all right? Deal with it yourself. That, I ain't dealing with that. <laughs> now, so, yeah, this is quite weird, Brian was saying during as we're watching this story. Now, we've been in, been in contact with the family in that video, and as you heard in that 911 call, they seem very reasonable mm -hmm. and honestly quite scared, as you heard them in the call. No, um, it, they don't seem impaired in any way. And whatever crashed by the time the police got there was gone, but sources say that there's really no dispute. Something was in their yard exactly what we do not know. I mean what do you think, Super D? What the heck? What do you I see? Mean, now that, that that was reported by a local news station, right? That wasn't and a special so, effect necessarily. Then no, it looked really weird. You yeah. know, when you look at the the weird kind of turquoise colored flashy thing, it looked like something falling out of the sky into the ground mm -hmm. to the ground. I don't know. I mean, I can't say I know, but yeah. To that, to me, that now that is something you have to kind of go, hmm. Yeah, could be something there, right? I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the question I had, you know, were you doing a peyote ritual? You know, I don't know. Hallucination. No, but you had multiple people. You had yeah. cops. You had 911 calls. You, you know, you saw it with your own eyes. <clears throat> um, I don't know. It's, I guess, uh, we report, you decide. Yeah. All right. So there you go. All right. So now uh, I want to talk about Bobby Kennedy. You have a clip uh, from the five on Fox and, and the guy, actually, I enjoy his show. My wife and I do enjoy his show, which is called Gutfeld. Gutfeld. He's a funny guy, short guy. He's, he's self-deprecating. He's silly. He's irreverent. It makes fun. The discussions of different kind of news, absurd stuff, serious stuff too. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the few things that are left watchable on Fox, in my opinion. Now you said this was from their afternoon news discussion. This is the, the show. Um, it's on right now. Um, it's called the five. Yeah. I think it, it must yeah, start, we it must start like Eastern two. time. So it starts at five o'clock Eastern. Yeah. Time. And so, uh, Gutfeld quite often, in fact, he's on again today, um, is a guest on that. And it's five people and they're discussing politics of the day. Mm -hmm. The topic of RFK jr. Came up and, uh, I hadn't heard what Gutfeld's opinion was of RFK jr. Until yesterday. And it was so good, I had to grab it and play it for you guys today. So here's, here's Greg Gutfeld talking about RFK Jr. Oh, man, I love this story so much. Democrats who call him fringe call him fringe because moderates are now the fringe. He, the, when you listen to his interviews, and I wish people would, he rejects the prison of two ideas. He wants to move past the us versus them mentality. This is something that Biden had actually weaponized. He pits people against each other. Mm. This guy wants to get away from that. He's persuasive enough to make, make you revisit your stances. And I know some people, you have, to, you, have to, uh, you have to call out the elephant in the room, his voice. You know, how can you win with yeah. a voice like that? Well, easy because he forces you to listen to him. Think about how Joe Biden sounds so breezy and effervescent and says nonsense, just nonsense. This guy struggles to speak and every single word he says matters. Democrats shouldn't be jittery. They should be joyful. They should hope Joe Biden steps down and this guy becomes their nominee because he could beat Trump. Trump is a brilliant debater. He's an attack dog. He feeds off anger. Anger is his energy, right? 
Where is RFK's energy toward Trump? None. Where is RFK's energy toward MAGA, Republicans, supporters? None. He's the opposite, opposite of Joe Biden. He actually likes the deplorables. He condemned that word. He understands blue collars where only Joe Biden fakes it. Joe Biden pretends he's his average Joe and he hangs out with steel workers like he's chums with his mechanic or, you know, he knows guy because he knows the name of his driver. RFK is actually the real deal. He goes out, he fishes, he explores, he reads books. I, I can't believe how much I like this person because I never could stand the Kennedys. But I might have to switch my, par my party just so I could vote for him in the primary because I honestly do think he is a serious breath of fresh air. He genuinely sees and feels the appeal of the Trump supporter and even Trump himself. And that's why, that's why I believe Trump will have a hard time debating him because he'll agree with him. He'll agree with RFK Jr. on the deep state, on the military industrial complex, on the unseen and unheard Americans. I mean, on, uh, it, it, I don't know. I just think he's, the dude is a powerhouse. Be stupid to uh, write him off. Wow. That's, uh, that sounds like an endorsement to me. That's significant. <laughs> And, you know, Gutfeld, yeah. they're not big fans of the Democratic Party and Democrats. We acknowledge that, and, and rightfully so in most of these cases, any more than, you know, they give grief to Republicans that are, you know, kind of doofuses too. So it's equal opportunity yeah. offense, perhaps. But, yeah, that's a significant thing because when, when they first started paying attention to Bobby Kennedy, just a little bit of news snippets, they were more or less making fun of him. Because they didn't know it was like an oh, all that anti-vaccine guy. Yeah, it was a drive-by. Now that they're theory. actually taking the time to hear him, and even the discussion we had with Jonathan Emord today, I know Jonathan hasn't interacted with him much, but I, I, you'll be if we ever got him on the same stage and they were talking, there would be so much agreement. And even on the welfare state issue, that Bobby Kennedy would probably be more inclined to support uh, recognizes the corruption of government in in so many ways. And how free enterprise and in freedom, there there is much more benefit to uh, helping those in need than uh, coercion. But again, I don't know until I get Bobby Kennedy back on to ask him those questions. Uh, I'm just fascinated by what's happening here. Uh, nope. the, the, it's a different kind of cycle right now we're in. I know there's plenty of manipulation to go around still, but uh, from what I see of of you know Bobby Kennedy and his development and growth over the years, I've witnessed and watched him and interacted with him. And of course, Jonathan Emord, we've been friends for decades and you've watched him on this show for a long time. There's no, there's nothing hidden about Jonathan Emord. He's all there. You got, you guys know what he's all about. Uh, and it's good in that regard. It's freedom defense, uh, defending freedom. So uh, we've got some interesting things. I didn't expect this election cycle happening. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued in, in a situation where I otherwise would have just been annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued by what's happening with RFK Jr. and I've always been the 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 rooting for the underdog kind of a guy. Yeah, uh, because I just you know I, I I'm coming out you know I'm apathetic really mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> the whole process. Yeah. So it's like to see something like that. It's the same. It's the same uh, intrigue that I had with with uh, Trump when he was running. Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I was I was intrigued and I was entertained, and I think that that RFK Jr. Uh, if nothing else, he's going to be a disruptor. He's polling pretty good though. Mm -hmm. I think I think the one of the polls I saw had him at sixteen percent now. 
mm. um, which is significant. Wouldn't it's, you like to see him debate Trump too? Like you said, or, like, or Biden, up, but or, I don't think Biden's going to no, do Biden's any debate. Biden's not going to, but, yeah. I mean, uh, but it, let's just say, look, weirder things have happened. Yeah. He catches fire among the, the rank and file, even Democrats that have looked at their own party and go, yeah, this is crazy. I can't, I like what Bobby Kennedy's doing, right? Uh, and he becomes the nominee against Trump to say, who knows? But as, as, as Greg Gutfeld pointed out, there's a lot of common messaging, believe it or not, from Trump and Bobby Kennedy. Now, there's personality issues that are significant. And the thing that Greg pointed out in that clip you played, Kennedy's not driven by hatred. He's not driven because he reviles Trump. He obviously is probably not a big fan of Trump, uh, but it, it doesn't drive him. It's not his, this is not why he's doing any of this. Whereas many of the people, you know, on the Democrat side or even some Republicans is like, oh, I'm driven by hatred of Trump, right? It's never good to be driven by hatred. You're not. Gonna- you want a good example? Look yeah. at somebody in the GOP. Look at Chris Christie. That guy's a clown. Mm-hmm. And his, what is he running for? No. What is his thing? I, I'm going to, I'm going to take on Trump. Yeah. Which all he's going to do is bad mouth them and, and, and be a, you know, juvenile mm-hmm. uh, in a situation, which, you know, that's not what people are looking for. Yeah. You know, I think his main thing is, I don't even think he, he even expects that he's going to win. He just wants to try and do damage. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, it's, it, yeah, there's hey, a example. people are tired of this. Yeah. When will they figure out, when are they going to figure out that people are tired of this? Yeah. People are tired of the same old thing, you know? Are they, though? They are. Look, I think the majority of the people, of the potential voters out there, which are the independents, are, you know? And that's the reason why you had a lot of people that voted for Trump, because he was different. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the same. And so what are they going to do now to try and combat uh, Biden? The same. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's, it's, it's just the same stuff. So then that is the reason why somebody like RFK Jr. is so attractive. Yeah. Because he's different. He's a, a lot of people have said this, a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Real thing. Uh, exactly. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have everything going for him, unfortunately. You know, one of the things they pointed out there was the voice thing, which is not his fault. But, you know, well, a lot of what people vote for is the presentation and the charisma and the, mm-hmm. the hairstyle and the whatever, right? Well, for those of us who are tired of it, like you point out, can get beyond it. Right. You're right. And hear the, the message. That's what well, Greg appealed to Greg, Greg Gutfeld, right? He's on, I'm hearing what he's saying. And it's like, and, and his, his voice has improved from when it was at its worst. And mm-hmm. uh, do I forget how to pronounce your name, Malkin, uh, says RFK Jr.'s voice disability is a proven vax adverse effect injury. Um Yes. I mean, in, in Dr. Batar, in fact, uh, treated Bobby Kennedy uh, for metal mercury toxicity, from what I understand as well. Uh, and there are other things he's done to help improve that voice. It's gotten better. But, you know, again, he brings a gravity to everything he speaks about because he's lived it. He's got credibility on it. He's not a, also, he's not a politician. He really isn't. He's an environmentalist that has proven his environmental metal M E T T L E by cleaning up things, by actually concerning himself about real environmental issues. And even on the global warming thing, even if he says, hey, I believe that greenhouse gases, da, 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 he also recognizes the capturing of that movement to the point of detriment. So he's not blindly in on an environmentalist movement that's really uh, you know, a substitute for Marxism and communism. 
I don't get that Bobby Kennedy has any has any interest in Marxism and communism. You know, as, and this is where we have some on the political left, Democrats, if you will, self-proclaimed that were very upset with uh, Mickey Willis's new movie, Plandemic 3, The Great Awakening, because it goes through, you know, that history of the threat to freedom in America, how it's rooted in collectivism, which can also be referenced as forms of socialism and Marxism and, yes, communism. And some on the left don't want to acknowledge that. I don't know why uh, necessarily. Maybe they can tell me. Um, but G. Edward Griffin is kind of the bookends of this uh, presentation, which, by the way, the Red Pill Expo Des Moines, Iowa in August. I uh, hope everybody's planning to be there and other upcoming events uh, I should mention, as well as uh, shout out to Bobbery Oren, Bobbery, who has supported uh, G. Edward Griffin in the Red Pill Expo. And uh, a lot of uh, Ed's beneficial health, uh, like recently, he's been through some challenges uh, he's recovered uh, and he credits a lot of his recovery to Folium PX, the Folium products he's on. And one of our Sunday conversations, I think a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, G. Edward Griffin and um, Bobbery and Dr. Christner. We were talking about that. And uh, you guys, if you're stuck in your recovery, please consider reaching out to Bobbery and the, and the team at Folium products, foliumpx.com. And you can get the Folium PX, the Folium um, Immuno, and the Folium Relax three-pronged approach and get 10% off with the code RSB10. That's really taking people over. I, I mentioned my mom. If you're new, you don't know about this. Mom was struggling through COVID. We don't know if it was COVID-related or not. Um, she lost her a lot of her ability, her energy, all the things, and she wasn't out dancing like she was used to. Of course, everything shut down for a few years, but uh, she got on the Folium she said, I'm sleeping better. Um, I've got more energy within two weeks. And she was still 88 on January 1st. And she, she danced to celebrate the new year. And then on the 29th of January, she turned 89. And she danced on her birthday uh, to celebrate her 89th birthday. So don't put it past Folium PX, what it can do to help you. So check that out as well. And I appreciate uh, Bob Bree and all that he's doing to bring good things to us here in America. And he loves freedom and he knows the danger of communism because he lived under communist occupied Tbilisi, Georgia, uh, before he left for Israel and then America. So should we do the QOTD question of the day today or tomorrow? Uh, we'll, save it. we'll save it for tomorrow. For tomorrow. Okay. Sorry for the delay uh, for that question of the day, which is coming from Yolanda. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. Hey, uh, Michael Bolden, 10th Amendment Center scheduled for hour two. You know how much fun we have with Michael Bolden. Yes. You guys do not want to miss heading into the weekend without getting a little Michael Bolden. And who is our first hour guest, Super Don? Do you know? I'm looking right now. Okay. How about mm -hmm. tomorrow? Vanessa yes. Elston. Vanessa Elston. Vanessa Elston, who apparently has a website. Okay. Called VanessaElston.com <clears throat> that loads kind of slow. Uh, here we go. Who is Vanessa Elston? Medicine of the future, a form of healing which merges ancient wisdoms to provide a bespoke consultative approach that delivers long-lasting fast-track results. Wow. She's a gifted healer who is able to transform people's emotional and physical well-being by using her unique energy field healing method. Ooh. Oh, boy. I'm intrigued. This is going to be cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you Vibrational go. Vibrational energy healing tomorrow on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Love it. And then Michael Bolden. And right. uh, let's see. Questions does, of the day. Does will Bolden have vibrational phone. energy? I don't know. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Bolden has definitely vibrational energy. Whether we'll have to ask about that tomorrow about we'll do vibrational that. energy. 
Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, please uh, check out Marjorie Wildcraft's uh, Grow Your Own Grocery Summit starting tomorrow. If you haven't signed up yet, please. Uh, it's in the show it's notes. It's in the show on. notes. If you got the uh, newsletter, it's in the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably I will say, I'll send it out in tomorrow's newsletter as well. So okay. if you haven't signed up, you can sign up now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, and share it with your friends. Share the link and uh, sign up. It's free and you'll be benefited by it. I thank you for that as well. Uh, thanks to Jonathan E. Moore. Check out all his upcoming events as well. And um, next event for me, I think, is the 24th of June. There's a bunch of things going on all over the country in the summertime. So get out there and enjoy. Enjoy freedom and uh, enjoy sharing freedom. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at any or all of those events, including July 14th through 16th at uh, the RSB Family Union, Southwest Missouri. And that's uh, thanks to Leslie and family and uh, her six daughters and her husband. And they're going to host us for an amazing weekend event, homesteading, uh, music, campfires, fun, a very different kind of get together, like a you know, family union slash reunion for some of us. And I look forward to that. And pie too, organic pie. Yes. That's all you can. As you had me at organic pie, <laughs> as always. So all right. anything else, Super Don, any other announcements, breaking news before we, uh, I got to record with Donna Gates for her uh, audience. Um, body ecology diet. She's amazing. And we're going to talk, I think copper with her later. Uh, so I'm going to take a break uh, All right. and then get back to yep. it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, vibrational energy and mm-hmm. Michael Bolden, which are kind of one in the same, apparently <laughs> we'll talk about more about that tomorrow. Hooray. Have yourselves a, a, a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow. Get your hands in the dirt. Thank you.